This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. Give me a name. Like Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Krejci alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Um, I'm okay. I just realized, though, I don't have... I didn't bring any beverages up. That's going to be a problem, but... Yeah. None of the, the new Coke Z's, which uh, I, I did listen to your uh, your, your review uh, of the new Coke Zero. Or Coke $5 Zero Sugar, tier. Or whatever. $5 tier. I'm not going to give... I'm not going to spoil anything for it, but people have to listen to what... Uh, uh, what Joe thinks of of the uh, the new Coke Zero? That's a nice gimmick. The the Joe drinks too is a nice gimmick because that's that's easy, man. There's so many new different drinks and sodas or whatever. I, I hope that. You no, know, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I don't know. Should I exploit that? Should I? Uh... Uh, absolutely. But like, but what you said, and I noticed it as well, is that trying to describe what something tastes like is like impossible. How do you even begin to tell people? It's it's hard to describe what food tastes like, but it's even more difficult to say like what a soda tastes like. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if yeah, I had to yeah, describe I, an orange soda, I'm like, I don't know, it's orangey. Like, I don't. What do I say about if I opened a, a you know a can of Crush and said, Ah, I'm gonna review this can of Crush, and it's like, I don't know, it's bubbly and orangey. I guess. I like. What do you say? Yeah, it's, it's it's hard. You run out of adjectives. It's it's you don't know what to say. It's harder with a beverage than it is food, and it's hard enough with food, you know, to describe what something tastes like. But um, I got through it. You did. You did. Did a nice job. I have, um, I have some additional opinions now that I've 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 had them for a week. So updated opinions, but um, but yeah, they, they'll they'll stay in the rotation. Thumbs up. I'm not disappointed. Go. I'm not but, disappointed. But, but five dollar tier, obviously, Patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling to listen to the entire uh, Joe Drinks uh, review there. So yeah, hopefully you get your your, your situation. You, are you going to send a Report down to the kids that you need a drink, or or do you need do you need a break here? I can give you a break now if you'd like. Nah, nobody. They're not home yet, but when they do, I'll just have you know, I'll have one of the children just run say, something up here. Why should I move on the silver platter? Yeah, no, you've yeah. moved a lot. You've moved enough today. You're done moving today. I, yeah, I've worked hard today. You know, one of them will run it up here, and they get a big kick out of it. They think it's fun, so I, I don't need to walk down there myself then i gotta walk back up the stairs it's a whole thing oh that's yeah so, there, no no yeah right. no you know red blood american should have to walk up and down stairs while they're trying to do a wrestling podcast so absolutely not i'm with you, you. Know, you get winded so. you know what i mean like yeah it's gonna be a tough the rest of the podcast is gonna suffer because you're gonna be sucking air the rest of the time you know it, it, it'd be a problem so i had a very tenuous doctor's appointment earlier this week and um it all went well no need to get into medical details <laughs> right i i don't know if i'm legally allowed to ask you but if you want to ask if you I want mean, to reveal feel free but uh, i don't think i can actually ask you i've been uh, going I, i've been going through a thing and there's been a scare but it's everything went well with the visit and i've been given a complete 
a clean bill of health. So especially now, I'm not walking up and down stairs. I mean, this doctor told me I'm healthy as an ox. So there, you know, forget it. Now I don't even know. Now I know I don't even have to put any extra effort. So <laughs> right. absolutely, a child is going to be bringing up uh, a beverage as soon as uh, they're able to. Um, you know, so yeah, because I can't. No, I'm going to get the cotton mouth. You know, the cotton mouth. Oh, yeah. When you, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, That's why I have like brutal. four drinks always ready. It's, it's, and we always say with the podcast, it is an unfortunate, like, in between thing here because you want to have the drinks ready, especially when you're doing a three hour podcast. You have to have all your drinks ready, but you have to balance them at the right time or else you are going to have to pee so many times throughout the show. And, and I try to at bet, I try never to. Sometimes once, I don't think I've ever had to pee twice during a show, though. That that I've always tried to do a pretty good job of. But uh, I, I don't know if you've been the same. Have you ever peed twice or, or two, more than two times, I should say, uh, on a one, podcast? One time only. I have peed like four weeks in a row now into a <laughs> bottle during the I show. I caught you the one week. I, I don't know if I've caught the most recent weeks, though. So, yeah. Um, so you're getting pretty no, good. Yeah. You're getting pretty good then. Because that first week you said it was a little uh, little tenuous, but now you've gotten you've gotten it down. Uh, yeah. I mean, you haven't noticed. So that's true. True. Right. I mean, last week I peed into an aluminum soda can, which I thought was going to be too <laughs> oh, loud. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, that's impressive. That's impressive. Both, both from a, uh, that, that, now that is dangerous. We talked about the bottle being dangerous. The can is even more dangerous. You're not quite sure when it's going to, you know, when it's going to reach its limit. You're not quite sure. And, and that's, there's not a whole lot of space in, in, in one of those cans. That could be, that could be risky, but I'm glad to hear it paid off. It's also a small hole because, you know, I'm, I'm gifted down below. So it was tricky. I had to aim into that tiny hole into the aluminum. You know, that's tricky too. You know, you don't want to miss. And then, you know, especially a man of my girth, it's very, it was very <laughs> difficult to, to aim it and get it. But once you get the stream in the right place, then you kind of just have to hold the can and the gimmick steady. And, you know, so it was a little trickier than the, the wide mouth Gatorade bottle, which I find much easier to. Uh, is this is this room that you're pocket? Is, is this a carpeted room that you're podcasting in? It is, which adds a lot of pressure as well. Yeah, I was I gonna say. I, I I feel like you can't be perfect. I feel like there's there's got to be a drop or two coming out. I've never got a drop. No, Especially I find that impossible. I find that impossible. You, you use a Snapple or Gatorade bottle. That's you got. Oh no, no, yeah, Gatorade bottle is easy. The, yeah, you're you're an easy street there. The last week, I really, I did. It was, I was very, I was like, I need to be careful because I'm gonna pee on the floor, <laughs> and TLB is gonna be very angry. Um, <clears throat> I can blame it on the dog, but the dog. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I do. That I mean, a lot. The dog, I do that if like in the middle of the night, like I, you know, reckless peeing, I wake up I'm like the dog. <laughs> Look what these dogs did. Unbelievable. <laughs> and they do it too. To be fair, but yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Oh, uh, you're missing the bowl in the middle of the night. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I don't want to turn any lights on or wake anybody up yeah. or whatever. And yeah, yeah, sometimes you just go, and then you know, a, a, a minute in, you realize, ah, shit, <laughs> this is not. This went very awry. Like, why don't you just sit? Is that too like? Um, uh, I don't, I'm not against it. I'm not against the sit. Little not not masculine enough for you. No, I see. I don't care. I don't care. If it's, it's four thirty in the morning and you're well, you're getting up. If, if it's one thirty, I was going to say I'm already up. If four four thirty, I'm up for good then. So. And you can barely stand, and you're just going to piss all over the floor. Listen, just take the seat. I have started to do that a little bit more. I, I have started yeah. to, to embrace it uh, a little bit more. My older age now too, especially as I, I I can't see like at all in the middle of the night, and I don't really want to get my glasses and stuff. So it, it, yeah. it's becoming more and more of a disaster. I should just sit. You're right. You should just do that. But that's a know? whole other thing. You, like you said, it's like going up and down the stairs. I got to sit down. I got to stand up. And I don't know, you know. 
time for that. <sighs> yeah, I, listen, I'm a man of leisure. I understand. You know, it's easier just to whip like, it out. Right. That's a we. I mean, we were born and to pee do on that, the floor. So, yeah. Right. And then the blame it on the dogs. I'll clean it up in the morning. But I'm going to blame the dogs when I clean up in the morning. It's fine. Nah, it's going to be dry and sticky by then. You yeah, got to get fine. Fine. Well, the dogs have probably peed on that same spot as well, so they've made it. They've why your dog? Why hold on? Why are your dogs peeing in your bathroom? Why are they doing that? I don't know. They pee on the toilet a lot. So they do. They pee not near the toilet. Yeah. Don't 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 ever have two male dogs. It's 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 a disaster in this house. Well, they do the whole leg lift. Yeah, exactly. Deal. They're not. There's not like a lot. It's not like a, a puddle of piss. But yeah. there's little droplets all over the place, and it's just like, God damn it, guys! <laughs> like, come on. Marking territory. It's everyone's house. Shit. It's nobody's territory. It's everyone's. House. It's dad's territory. All right. It's my fucking territory. Not yours. Oh shit! All right. Yeah, well, you know? it's their territory. Who am I kidding? It's their fucking territory. I bought this house yeah. because of them. So. Yeah, they uh, they disagree. You know, they're pissing on your toilet. I don't know if I ever, I've never seen an animal piss in a human bathroom like that. That's I know people who keep the cat litter in the bathroom just to keep all the smells in one place. Yeah, 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 right. Like that, I've seen that gimmick. I don't know if I could ever say I've seen a dog that like pisses in the bathroom. That's better because at least it's like a tile floor. Yeah. Oh no, I, I much much prefer that over like any. We have a few rooms that have carpet, and and they honestly don't piss that much in the carpet. God, the carpeted rooms, which is good. Yeah, I, I'm like, hey, you know, if you guys have to pee somewhere in the house, peeing on the porcelain toilet and the tile floor, that's okay. Because that's a, a quick little swipe and we're good to go. So, yeah. Appreciate that. Wish they'd piss outside more, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, <laughs> great way to start uh, this show. We have a lot to get to this week. Plenty of huge topics to get to. We have AEW going to the United Center on Friday, August 20th. We'll talk about that. The latest on CM Punk, Brian Danielson. WWE Q2 earnings report, including some incredible quotes from our man, Big Dick Nick, Nick Khan. Some some interesting quotes from Vince McMahon that everyone's going to go nuts about. But I know you and I looked at those Nick Khan quotes and said, yes, there is some gold in there that I cannot wait. Cannot wait to discuss. Uh, Matt Cardona versus Nick Gage from uh, GCW. We both watched the match and the post-match. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, MLW's Battle Riot 3. Uh, we watched that on, on, on YouTube uh, as well, so we give some reactions to that. New Japan's Wrestle Grand Slam from the Tokyo Dome uh, happened this week, so we'll talk about that. We'll do a little bit of preview for the MetLife Dome uh, Wrestle Grand Slam. We got a summer action series. We have Dragon Gate. We may have some Noah, and we're also going to talk a little bit about Super Porky as well, the unfortunate passing uh, of Super Porky. But uh, before we do that, I, I do want to let uh, remind people, and if you've been following VoicesOfWrestling.com this week, you know that we're, we're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of this website existing. From the moment that I, I purchased the domain or, or registered the domain or whatever and started this stupid website, uh, 10 years uh, to the day here. We're going to officially celebrate the flagship beginning in, in, in January 2022. Uh, that'll be 10 years of the flagship. But uh, it is still this week. We've still been kind of celebrating the, the 10th anniversary of the web, website proper. And I did a Q&A uh, on Patreon, patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling. And Joe, I, I, wanted, I wanted to see if you're up for it. I want to ask you a few of the questions that people ask me to see if you have either the same answer as me, a slightly different answer than me, or or or, or what. Are you, are you down to do that? Only a few of these. I'm not going to ask like all 50 questions or whatever. Just just a, just a handful of questions that I thought uh, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on these as well, since you've we're along for, for almost the entire ride as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah sure. Except, with the exception, for the record, by the way, with the exception of maybe like, what, four months or whatever, You've been along for the ride. It's been you and me since January uh, of 2012. So that that's... For the audio, yeah. I mean, you did a couple of those shows with the different format. And then, yeah, the audio was a couple months later. And then as soon as you had articles and stuff, I was writing stuff. But, uh, yeah, the audio, yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah. So, we're, again, like I said, VoicesOfWrestling.com. 
Uh, we have a bunch of people from the website writing about their uh, memories uh, of the website, you know, their their history of, of of wrestling, how they became wrestling fans, as well as, and, and this has been pretty fun too, uh, how much their wrestling viewing has changed in the last 10 years, which seems like, I mean, 10 years seems like a long time, but then it also doesn't seem like a long time. And then you read someone like, like Ali Cord, I thought his was incredible, talking about how when he started watching wrestling, it was like British wrestling was barely a thing it was nothing then it became this giant boom and it was great and it was awesome and he loved wrestling and then it turned into whatever the British wrestling thing was afterwards and that all happened in a 10 year span it went from nothing to this incredible scene to this absolute fucking wasteland of a scene that it is now it all in this 10 year span uh which is pretty crazy the things that can kind of happen so uh here, here's here's a question that that I had an easy answer to, but I'm curious if you do. This came from Dalton Bailey uh, on patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. I uh, said, what was your favorite segment on the podcast? What is your Joe Lanza's favorite segment that we've ever done on this podcast? Hmm. Um, that's, that's a really hard question. Probably one of the game shows. I don't know if I could pick one out specifically. But those are always fun. You, did, you didn't listen to my Q and A, did you? Um, bits and pieces. Okay, so for this one, it. my answer you was had, yeah. Go ahead. What was your? Well, I was just gonna say, what was your answer? Uh, my answer was the Chikara name game. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> we could start, we couldn't finish the podcast. We were crying. I couldn't. I was. I was. I was laughing so hard I was crying yeah. at some of the at some of the fake names. I mean, they were just. What, my favorite one, I think, was uh, um. Rich Mahogany. I think <laughs> yes, Rich Mahogany yes, I have. I, by the way, I have the names if you'd like them. Again, <laughs> yeah, I, right. I couldn't even get through that. I, I tried to do it again, and I still couldn't get through it this time. Yeah, Rich Mahogany. He had a nickname, too. I forget what it was. One sec. Let me. It was. <laughs> oh, no, it was just Rich Mahogany. So, okay. Uh, the, the, uh, you were correct on none of these, by the way. Uh, you got all of these wrong, <laughs> which was incredible. I can't believe I forgot that Dan Maloney was one of them as well. Future uh, uh, NXT UK star Dan Maloney. Oh, wow. Was one of these. Yeah, you somehow got uh, none of them right. That's, that Dan seems Maloney, hard to believe. So Dan Maloney sounds real fake. Right. So there was uh there was uh 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 Rich Mahogany. Uh my favorite one was Cat Scratch Frederick. I don't know why that one got me. <laughs> <laughs> it still gets me. There's no reason why that it's like not that funny, but it's also just incredibly funny. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cat Scratch Frederick. Uh, Dr. Rod Diamond Fire. That was a great one, too. And I don't even remember if that was a fake one or a real one, to be honest. You just picture what these people would look like in the yes. Jakara universe. You know? Actually, Dr. Rod Diamond Fire was real. Uh, sorry. That, that's, a, oh, that's actually a go. real name there. Uh, there was the Tennis Man Chester Ace. I love that. That's, tennis Man Chester Ace. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good gimmick, honestly. If we're, if we're being honest, that's not that's a like, good that, gimmick. That's yeah. like early Grand Akuma. He was yeah, Tennis, right, man, the tennis Chester man Chester Ace. Ace. Yeah, yeah. The headband, you know, the fucking headband. The old school 70s racket. Yes. You know, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Can't be sure. a modern racket. Oh, no, Short no, no. shorts. The, the socks with the stripes on them pulled up to the, like, half calf. Like, yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, great stuff here. Uh, uh, clothesline Curtis, Donnie Primetime. Uh, the Legion of Rot it was one of them. The Lee Obstruction. Real? I don't remember which one was real and which one was not. But uh, yeah, Rich Mahogany is probably Rich Mahogany and Cat Scratch Frederick are my two my two favorites. <laughs> yeah. that's just and the Tennis Manchester Ace is, is is great. But yeah, that that is probably an all time second. And somebody reminded me as well as I, I I was able to find the date 
of that game show. That so what happened was is on that show. This might be an all timer. This might be the best flagship, and I, I never want to say that any one of them is the best, but that one might be up there because apparently before we played the Chikari name game, you did the Wrestle Circus rant. Oh, when Jervis yeah. Cottonbelly slid into the DMs. Yeah. To tell us to stop being mean about Wrestle Circus. In his old school language. <laughs> right? deal. Yeah. Hello, sirs. <laughs> he was to... like, hello, good chaps. Like, yeah, that's right. how he... <laughs> I would like to take uh, issue with a recent uh, discussion y'all had on your... <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and, in that, and he typed it in that format. Typed it like that. And in we're that format, yes. staring there going, what is this geek talking about? <laughs> like... If you'd kindly respond post haste to my formal request of a, a discussion to settle these matters, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, and you're reading it like in his voice because you have to, like, because it's typed out that yeah, way. Yeah, Just, yeah. yeah, I'm like, what is this guy's deal? Like, is he serious right now? You know? Um, yeah, no, that that I didn't realize that was the same show. That's pretty wild. The Chikara rant, not Chikara. Russell Circus. Russell Circus. Uh, uh, one of the Man. same in some ways, unfortunately. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, Sean Mason, uh, he had a pretty good one as well. What is your favorite moment in wrestling uh, to cover over the last 10 years? What, what's a moment in wrestling that really to you was like, yeah, this, this was awesome. I'm so glad we were able to uh, be here for this. I'm glad that you did this audio because I stink at answering questions like this. It was like, tough. I, it was well. I, what I had to do was they, they came in early in the day, and I basically thought about them the entire day and did a bunch of research to yeah. try, to, try to figure out. Because yeah, you have that. When when someone asks me like, "Hey, what's the best match of like the last?" and I'm just like, "I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. I went wrestling. I watch. I watch hours upon hours of wrestling every single week, and I can't f- remember anything." I mean, if you want to, if you want me to give you one moment over the last ten years that was my favorite to discuss, is that the gist of the question? Here? Kind of, yeah, yeah. Favorite moment to cover, yeah. So, yeah, that's probably the better way to answer it. Um, probably when something where I got to take a victory lap where I was right and everybody else was wrong. Maybe, um. Kenny Omega winning a G1. I brought that one or, up as, as somebody said, what's your all-time best victory lap? And I said, that was the one where, where when that, when you won the G1, you told me we are starting the show with my clip a year and a half ago, telling everybody to just stop being idiots about Kenny Omega and that Kenny Omega yeah. is going to main event of Wrestle Kingdom. And that's what we did. We, we started the show. I think we got it ready, but yeah, it, 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 the intro had played and then it went back to a uh, two years ago, you ranting for about 20 minutes about how Kenny Omega was going to main event of Wrestle Kingdom and everybody needed to just shut up about it when he was sticking, you know, well, yeah. flags in people's butts and stuff. And you were saying, guys, I'm telling you, he's going to main event of Wrestle Kingdom. Just shut up. Well, I remember the show when he signed with New Japan. Yeah. And they did the press conference even before he debuted with the Bullet Club because he signed with New Japan. And they just did a straight presser and. And we came on the air and we were like, listen, this guy's not just going to be a guy on the card. He's going to be a main eventer and he's going to break out as a worldwide superstar. I mean, that's on tape if people can go find that. And then we got a lot of pushback on it. And then, you know, we started with like what you're talking about. Like, listen, ignore the cleaner bit. He's they're just biding their time until they're ready for the push, you know, and and it's coming and more pushback, more pushback. and then. I was always confident it was going to come. I mean, they didn't, you know, he didn't sign there to be, you know, a junior or whatever. He signed there to to break out as a worldwide star. He had already been a proven draw. I mean, it wasn't even that hot of a take. I didn't think it was that hot of a take. I thought it was obvious that he was coming in to be a top guy. And, you know, and so that victory lap felt good because it wasn't just, 
that we were right. It's that the right people were wrong. Like, I love the ones where, like, the right kind of people were also yes, wrong. Yes, yes, And we were right. That Those are the ones that really feel good. Yeah, not ones where we um, made a prediction and it just happened to go right, but when, like, all of the people that we hate were wrong. Yes. And we can go and, and like, feverishly defending their side and telling you guys are idiots, you don't understand anything. That is the all-time victory laps. Those ones are great. Just shove yeah. it right in all their faces. Yes. Yeah, Turn just... the screws on that and rub it in. And yeah, and that that that's you know, so that one I don't know if that answers the question you asked me. No, but... no, I I think for sure. Yeah, I I remember um and it kinda it kinda relates my answer kinda relates to this next one that, that this person asked, then I'll ask one more after this. Uh and, and, and it was Jeff Pop who asked, Was there a point when you guys realized now we're cooking uh in terms of podcast network articles? Uh, or, or the website. So podcast network, you know, a, a traffic or, or uh, you know, hits on the website. And I, I had an answer, and I think it might be the same answer that you, you would come up with, but uh, what, what was the moment where you thought, hey, well, now we're really cooking, this is really going? Uh, for the website in general, I would say just as New Japan really got cooking, because our rise coincided with New Japan's rise. Um, for you and I personally and more the audio than the site itself, it was rolling out the Patreon and it being an immediate success. That was a relief. That's, that's nervous times saying, okay, let's see if people will pay us. Can we commit to the work? And I had to twist your arm a little. You weren't all in on the idea I was at not. first. I was not. I had to twist your arm a little. But once I got you to commit to the idea and then we put it out there, you don't know if people are going to be willing to fork over money to support you, especially since they don't – you have no track record of whether you're going to do the extra work or not yet. You know, you haven't proved yourself. And when I saw that the Patreon – was an, almost an immediate success and still growing to the point now where it makes a tax time a, a comedy routine. I mean, I wish people could read our text messages back and forth <laughs> during tax time. Um, each pre- and our bitching and complaining and, and um, wives and their reactions to it as well. Which doesn't I finally up. got mine understanding it and how. No, we're not losing money. Listen, like I, she finally gets it. I don't know about the nurse. But uh, well, my, see what the nurse did understand. this year is I said, "Hey, taxes are coming up," and she says, "I don't care. Just do them and tell me what it is at the end. I don't care. Oh, that's a win. Just do it." And I was like, "All right, cool. <laughs> that's fine." Yeah. She's like, "I know I'm gonna be annoyed. I know I'm gonna hate it. So just go do it in the other room. Do it on a weekend when I'm working, and I don't even want to hear anything. Just let me know when the check comes." And then I was like, "All right, I can do that." So. Yeah, like I, I finally sat mine down and thoroughly explained. And she works at a bank, so eventually she got it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, but but the for a while there, it's like, hey, um, I'm gonna be sending Rich eight thousand dollars in a couple of minutes. Can you please? And it's like those were hard conversations to like get them to understand, get her to understand like why that's happening and why that didn't mean that we were down eight thousand. You, you know what I mean? Um, anyway, um, so I would say the rise of New Japan. I'm like, oh, okay, when people are coming to us first for reviews or 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 our audio, and then 
the the success, the Patreon being a success is like, oh, okay, people people really do like what we do. Right. We provide something that's that has value to people. So I would say those two things. Yes. Yeah, so, so my answer was Wrestle Kingdom Seven, and that that's like you you mentioned there with the rise of New Japan, and that felt like the one where it was like, okay, we were all we were ready to go. We had been doing a lot of New Japan coverage or whatever, but that was when you know you and I were both watching it live. You had a review right away. We had a podcast right away, and I remember the numbers just going like crazy because then it started getting out that hey, this is this incredible match, and Dave Meltzer's talking about it and all that sort of stuff, and nobody else was covering it. Like people don't remember this time. Like going back to Wrestle Kingdom Seven, like. There was nobody covering New Japan. Dave Meltzer would occasionally talk about New Japan and, and you know mainly talk about the big shows or the big matches or whatever. I mean, he was always kind of watching it and always kind of following it, but it wasn't like it is now where he's obviously covering every single show and talking about every single show. And there, that was it. Like, there was nobody else talking about New Japan. Maybe you'd get some results here and there. Maybe you'd get, you know, one little column here and there from other sites, but nobody else was covering it. And that's when we, you know, we had decided the year or so prior Hey, this thing is growing. This thing is going to be big. Let's 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 go all in on it. Let's cover it every single week. Let's watch everything we can watch. And it wasn't easy. The other part about it too, it wasn't easy to follow this company at this time as well. But we basically decided we're going to do that. And I remember that Wrestle Kingdom Seven getting that review up there, getting the podcast up there right away, and it did like it, it quadrupled like that that article quadrupled anything else we had ever done on the website like immediately just because when t- people typed in Wrestle Kingdom on Google it came up first cuz nobody else was doing it and then they a lot of people discovered the podcast from that Wrestle Kingdom 7 as well so that's the one that I always remember uh, uh you know really kind of cooking and then uh you know you mentioned the Patreon and the other one I'll mention too uh, was Wrestle Kingdom 9 was another one that I really fucked because that was the first, uh, like, English one. Remember, uh, well, <laughs> I was going to say, we uh, we did a lot of work for Wrestle Kingdom 9, Joe. Uh, you wouldn't know it from uh, on the air because uh, a man who shall, go, <laughs> shall remain nameless with the uh, initials J and R uh, <laughs> felt that it wasn't necessary to, you know, shout out the person who uh, helped them do all the notes or whatever. But uh, that was a big moment because, again, like, it felt like a culmination of a lot of what we had done because... And somebody asked me, "Hey, did you guys do you feel like you were in any way responsible for for New Japan or any other company's growth uh, in America?" And I, I honestly, I, I don't want to say that we were number one. I mean, I would never say that that we're like the reason that New Japan got popular in America or New Japan and all that sort of stuff. I would never, ever, ever say that. But I do think Wrestle Kingdom Nine getting on English commentary, being as popular as it was, being as big as it was. I mean, to me, I, I felt a weird sense of a not not necessarily accomplishment, but just that we made the right call all those years ago by saying, "Hey, let's let's put." a lot of effort into New Japan Pro Wrestling and see where it goes. And I remember that moment being a big deal. And, and our web traffic just was insane for Wrestle Kingdom 9 as well. And I, our, our podcast, I think, still to this day, that that Wrestle Kingdom 9 podcast is one of our most listened to ones ever. It's just, it, it just was nuts. I mean, the people just went crazy listening to that show. And it, was, it helped that it was an incredible, like, all-time great show. But I think our, we, we titled it, like, Once in a Lifetime or something like that. And, yeah, we, uh, that's still to this day, one of our most listened to podcasts ever. Yeah, I mean... New Japan all those years definitely helped what we do and helped our business. And I always said, look, it's not going to last forever. Um, their hot run lasted a long time, you know, and I, it's, we'll see what happens post pandemic, but I really think that era ended when Naito won the title. When Naito finally won the title at Wrestle Kingdom from Okada, I think that was the definitive end to that era. Um, and uh, now, Rich, it's the AEW pay per views. I wish they ran them every month. <laughs> it is some nice, yeah. That is, that is yeah. That is some nice stuff when those AEW pay per views drop, baby. Yeah, yes. people people keep asking us to cover these uh, these weekly dynamites as well, and like I'd, I'd love to. It's just it's hard to uh, you know it's hard oh. to plan them, but oh, 
We do cover the week. No, I meant on an instant reaction. I know Thursday TV reviews. I know. Oh, I see how it is with these people. If Rich is in there, oh, it it, it must not count. <laughs> I review every dynamite every week. You dopes, five dollar tier Thursday TV reviews. That's half Just price. Half up. price actually. Yeah, you get a, a discount. No, I know what they mean. Like they want the they want the instant audio right after the show. Um, you know, it's maybe one day. Like I would say, if you tell your friends and they all subscribe, and their friends all tell their friends to subscribe. And all their friends tell their friends that tell their friends to subscribe. Then, yeah, we'll do instant reactions every time. Yeah, Just maybe do, one uh, day. Not have to punch a clock the next morning. And then, uh, yeah. You get hours of audio every single day. So there you go. Uh, last question I just wanted to ask here. This is the, the last one that actually came in from Matt. Uh, had said, have either of you guys had issues or fights with the wife over any aspect of the podcast or podcast network? How'd or you website? answer that? Uh, I just said that m- not really. Uh, actually, I actually showed the nurse this and said, hey, what do you think? And she goes... Yeah, other than just, like, you always being busy every Thursday for three hours, and, yeah, other than that, really nothing. It was, so I think, like, what, what initially, like, the first few years of it, it was just kind of like a, wait, you have to do this podcast today? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I gotta, and that, that's before we had, like, a set schedule. We would just, you know, kind of text each other and say, hey, you want to do a podcast today? And you go, yeah, sure. So, I, you know, I'd come home and say, hey, I'm doing a podcast with Joe today. And she's like, oh, I wanted to do this, or I wanted to do that. And I'm like, well, I don't know, sorry. I'm doing the podcast with Joe tonight. Uh, once we got into like a very obvious like either Wednesday or Thursday routine with these things, it's pretty much not been a fight after that because she just knows that every Wednesday and every Thursday, uh, I'm gonna sit here and talk to Joe. I'll say the Patreon money certainly helps as well. So yeah, it's financing <laughs> her lavish vacations, <laughs> right? Oh. I, I will say the uh, the oh I wanted to go out to eat or oh I wanted to hang out with you tonight. Those those have suddenly gotten a little quieter over the last few years. So that uh, the hey yeah. go yeah go talk to Joe go do a Patreon show yeah go ahead <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. To the to, she's getting in on the Patreon, like Absolutely. she understands. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. like, well, listen, a I'm a draw here too, so I, you know, maybe we can. Uh, I get the numbers up a little. Yeah, she. Uh, so that that'll quell it a little. No, I've had zero problems. Um, I mean, it's I'm just extremely lucky. I mean, you married the right one. I mean, she, um, she considers it work. I mean, I know you laugh about that. But she, because you have to understand, she wasn't around for the non-money drawing years. She only knows the show from the perspective of it, it brings in money. So, you know, it's like a job. So from her, from her perspective, it's, it's work. And I mean, if I, sometimes I'm watching wrestling and she'll like shoo the children out of the room. Oh, your father's working. <laughs> your dad's you working. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, this is great. <laughs> you know, like, You're like, get him out of here. Scram. Yeah. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, hit the bricks. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. Get him out of here. Um, so, no, there's there's um, never any problems, especially with the show, because, like you said, it's usually consistent every Thursday. Um, every now and then, if I have to watch something, um, she's not super thrilled, but at the same time, I watch most of the stuff when nobody's around anyway. So, no, I don't have any the aunt, long long answer. Here's the short version. No, I don't have any problems with the wife or the family when it comes. Yeah, to yeah. Stuff. No, I, I really and and like it largely helped that I so I started dating Michelle in January of twenty 
uh, 12. So like I, when I first met her, I was like, Hey, look, I run this wrestling website and I, I do this podcast with this guy. So she, it was never like I hit it for six years or whatever. And then one year she's just like, wait a minute, you do this thing every single week or what? It was never that. I was just like, Hey, look, listen, like I, I'm going to have to talk at least once a week to this guy or once every few weeks to this guy uh, about wrestling. And I have to run a wrestling website. So that's just going to be a thing. So that's, I'm sorry. That's a part of my life now. And she was like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. So yeah, it's never really been that much of an issue other than. Yeah, occasionally watching wrestling and her rolling her eyes and leaving the room or whatever. But that's not a fight. That's just why do you watch the stupid shit? (laughs) Yeah, and I sometimes ask the same questions, so it's fine. I do remember one time when we were first like dating or whatever that she invited me over, and it was a night of a show, and I was like, "No, no, I got to do my, I got to do my podcast tonight." And she's like, "You realize that like like we're gonna have sex, right? I'm inviting you to my house." I'm like, you know, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I can't, I cannot. Like, I would no, love maybe. to have sex, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then now stay up. I, now stay up to like eleven or whatever, and then I, I'll be there. I'm there. Uh, listen, I will fuck you uh, at midnight. But right now, I cannot come over. There will be no sex. Um. So yeah, that was, but that was very, very early on. And then you know, then it, once I explained, you know that this is like a weekly thing, that it wasn't an issue anymore. Yeah. So there you go. That, uh, that, that was a few of the questions. I answered a bunch of those. Like I said, I answered 50 different questions uh, about the website over the last 10 years. So that's, that is on patreon.com uh, slash voices wrestling. And I said as well, the uh, voice wrestling.com, a lot of great stuff. This VOW 10 uh, series of articles, a lot that I would really, really recommend. It's just basically contributors to the website, you know, talking about their wrestling lives, how they became wrestling fans, on how their fandom has changed over the last 10 years as well. Some really, really good stuff there. Some really deep stuff. Some stuff w- w- like I never even knew about contributors that we have to the website. Just some really, really cool stuff. Uh, so definitely check that out at uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com. And as I said, uh, January 2012, we will do the 10 years of the flagship. And that should be a uh, quite the quite the celebration. Maybe Atsume will call in again and and because <laughs> he did that on our, uh, was it our one or two year anniversary or whatever the hell, or our 100th episode oh, or some shit like that. So. 100th episode, but that was a work. It wasn't Yatsume? No, no. We worked. It wasn't. Really oh, we didn't know. Week. Yeah, we don't know what our actual numbering system is at all. So we don't have a numbering system. We pretend. So we totally worked it, but just to do like a special show. Yeah, but, I think you were uh, like, yeah. we got to be close to 100, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Next week we'll do 100. So yeah, we I think we have like- come up with the system. But then I think we forgot about it again. And I guess maybe we can get it up again. But years are a lot easier. Let's just round them off to years. It's a lot easier than doing. The eight hundredth episode—that's too hard to figure out. So we never numbered them. We never numbered yeah, them. No. We just did the old back of the envelope <laughs> math. When did that become a phrase? Because I hate it. Oh, back of the envelope math. I also dislike that phrase. So. Everyone says that. Like I feel like in the last year or two, that phrase has exploded. But and I feel like I never heard it before that. So who started that and where? Because I hate it. Back of the envelope math. Have you yeah. been hearing that for years? Or just, I think I've like, heard it for a couple years. Probably no more than like five years, though. Um, yeah. But it's the same deal. I've never even considered grabbing an envelope and writing a bunch of numbers down. <laughs> like, that's just strange. Like, who, who would do that? I just hate the phrase. I just, I can't stand it. I feel like every smarmy blue check mark uses that <laughs> phrase on Twitter. I did the Aaron Rupert or whatever his name is. That's, who's the guy that you hate? There's a blue check mark that's just always in your mentions, and you just get oh, because people retweet him. Constantly. <laughs> I think it's Aaron Ruper, right? Is the guy's name? No, 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 not Aaron Ruper. Aaron Ruper is the no. He's in our mentions sometimes. Yeah, oh, that's Aaron right. Ruper. He is in our mentions sometimes. He's yeah, he's the guy that does the big. Fan. Yeah, that's right. He's the one that does the the big Trump threads. Like he does the long Trump threads right. and just and just 
dunks on Trump. Yeah, like, oh, that's right. Because all of a sudden, I was in our like somebody said something, and I was like, "Is that Aaron Rupert in our mentions? Like, what the fuck?" At least two or three times a year, he'll pop up. Yeah, uh, I guess that could be searched. Maybe it's less, but um, and people like that delete tweets constantly. But um, no, it's the uh, I could see the guy Kyle Griffin, <laughs> Kyle Griffin, that's or it. Kyle Griffith, whatever his fucking name is. Kyle Griffin. And, it's it's at Kyle Griffin one. Is the guy you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Now listen, I have nothing against this man. I know all you, I know. You really is, don't know anything about him. Yeah. You've... He gets retweeted. He would get retweeted in the hard timeline <laughs> so often that I just got so sick of his dumb face. And his stupid mustache. It's a particularly dumb face. I will give you this. It is a particularly dumb face. And he's like a political guy or whatever. uh, He's the senior producer of MSNBC's The Last Word. I don't – listen to me. I don't give a shit what Kyle Griffith 1 says about anything on this earth. And yet he's in – he would get retweeted. It was so – I had to block this man because – for whatever reason, the people we follow would not stop retweeting and quote tweeting this guy. I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's bad. I don't know what the appeal is, but that dumb face would <laughs> pop up on the Twitter timeline a half a dozen times a day, and I just could not take it anymore. So, yes. What is it? Kyle Griffin Kyle Griffin one? one. Yeah, at Kyle Griffin one. I put in the uh, in the no dopes chat room. I did a uh, I put a link to his profile picture as well, so you can see it. And it's a it's a particularly dopey face too. It's just like I, I again like he's not a bad looking dude. It's just there's a look about it that just it just it, it enrages you for some it, reason. Yeah, I yeah I can't fucking stand the guy <laughs> because sometimes I will block people on Twitter who don't even follow us. We don't follow them. Yeah, like Kyle Griffin never, has never heard of us. No, no clue. He's probably never watched a second of pro wrestling. It's fine. Like, you know, but if they constantly end up on my timeline, I'm not following them for a reason. I don't care about their content. So then sometimes I just have to block to keep them away. Like I've blocked many wrestlers for that same reason and wrestling adjacent. people, And then they'll be like, Oh, Voice of Wrestling. <laughs> There's one famous me. one who really dislikes that we did that. but uh, Well, it's Shazam again. Yeah, I was going to say, we can name names. There you go, yeah. I hate her fucking tweets. I don't care about her. But her dumb fucking shitty tweets that I don't like kept ending up on our timeline. I'm like, I have to block Shazam McKenzie. I don't want to see Shazam McKenzie content anymore. And then, like, I guess someone cool tweeted us, and she saw that she was blocked, and she's like, I never interacted with these guys. And I feel bad. But it's just because I don't care about her content. That doesn't mean I have anything against her personally. There's one now I'm about to block. Charlie Evans. I don't even know who this is. (laughs) Allegedly, this is a wrestler. Yeah, in the Dylan Bostic era of wrestlers where they exist just to be retweeted but don't actually ever wrestle everywhere. So This Charlie Evans person. Rich, they are constantly. You see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why are they always on our timeline? I don't. I didn't even know it was a wrestler until I finally looked at the profile and went, oh, oh, this is allegedly a wrestler. I don't follow that. I, 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 if I didn't slap block yet, it's coming. And it's not because I have anything against this person. It's because I have something against the content. I don't want to see Charlie Evans' thirst trap pictures on the time. I don't care. I have no interest in it whatsoever. Of Charlie Evans with her tongue out. How many times can I look at Charlie Evans' pictures with her tongue out? I don't want to see it once, let alone 
uh, six times a week. So that happens a lot. And that's what happened with Kyle Griffith 1. This fucking guy. How's he ending up on a wrestling timeline as often as he did? <laughs> every day. He's, he's a, po- he's a po- Every day. It's a politics guy. I don't care about politics. Anyway, he fired me up over Kyle Griffith. One. There we go. Well, uh, so that that was that. That was again the uh, the VOW time. I don't even know how we got to Kyle Griffin one and Aaron Rupar or whatever, but we did it. So Rupar, uh, anyway. good. I got no beef. With yeah, yeah, no, no, no beef with him. No beef with him. Um, I, I, no beef with the no beef with any of these people. Beef with their. Yeah, it's content. not Kyle Griffin. It's not Kyle Griffin one's fault that uh, that, that he gets retweeted every second into our yeah, timeline. Listen, so. if I cared about political content, I might follow the guy. I don't know. Yeah, he's just you know. Oh man. You know, you know, I was in a good mood. I always get worked up. I apologize. I apologize. You know? Well, don't go to the no dope, no dope chat room because you're going to click the picture and you're going to get all mad and hot and bothered again. So don't, do not do that. Stay away. Okay. Oh, no. Let me see this guy's dumb. Oh, there's his dumb face. He's got that dumb mustache and that, that fucking it's haircut. It's such a dumb. It's really bad. Yeah. JRJ said, a face that demands to be punched, which is. Yes. He's. <laughs> He's he's got a haircut like he's playing for Wales in the World Cup. Right. Like he's got that soccer player haircut. Oh God. Oh, why'd you make me clap? I'm sorry. That? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So anyway, let's let's get to the actual show proper here. Uh, we were going to start off with uh, with the news. Like we always, uh, uh, we don't like to do this, but we uh, when when someone passes away, we we do try to start the show off with a little discussion about them. And this one won't be very long because I know I don't have a ton to add uh, about this person. But Joe, you wanted to at least touch on it a bit. Uh, super Porky. Uh, Brazo de Plata uh, passed away at the age of 58 uh, this week. Uh, hold on, hold, hold on, one second. Look at you looking all sexy. Come here. Look at this. Where'd you get this dress? You've had this. I like this. You know what this reminds me of? The broad from Mad Men. What's her name? Joan. Yeah, that's what this. You know, it's got that whole 60s vibe. You know, got that going on back there. I like. I like this dress. It's nice. Yeah, very nice. Hey. I need a Coke Z. Is there a child that we can? All right. Hey, well, listen, don't, no rush. If you want to send one of the indentured servants up here, that, that'll work too. Yeah. Okay. More of that dress. I like that. Oh, listen, you never know. Yeah. I'm live on the air. Yeah. Well, I'm getting a little on now. I'm tugging my collar because you know <laughs> things are getting hot and heavy over there. I'm just gonna stay. They right. are. They really do are. whatever you guys want to do. I mean, it's fine. She's <laughs> yeah. All right. So what? <laughs> okay. Well, why don't you wait? Why don't you wait a minute? Because you're clearly distracted here. So he's transitioning to the death of Super. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, <laughs> speaking of your wife's dress, Super Porky just. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's a lovely I, dress. I, lo- I loved her. Uh, You're like, whoa, where'd you get that dress? She's like, I've had it. You've seen it. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> quote by her, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, oh, man. No, let's, let's okay. nice Are you, you all right? You're you right. Think, you think I'm buttering her up. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking. No, I'm no, no, no. I know you appreciate a nice, you know, you appreciate a nice dress, as, as do I, you know? Sometimes, every, every, sometimes it takes you back. Sometimes you walk in the room and you're like, whoa, what are you doing today? You're looking good. Yeah, like, I'm like, look at this. I'm like, you know, um, every show around this time, she'll sneak in here and get changed. See, you don't even know. So this time, though, I was I was I was taking a I was taken back. I was like, this is a nice job. I've never seen, you know, the, the areas were looking nice in this dress, you know, so I had to say something, you know, and, and also I do need a soda, though. That is true. Um, 
<laughs> you figure super. out how to transition to Super Porky. I'm I'm out. I'm out. That's you to figure out. Speaking of, get to Super Porky. Though. Only 58. Like, you would think way older, but he probably started when he was like 14 or something. Um, Because that's just the culture down there. He debuted in 1977. So, yeah, that's what? 13 or 14, right? Um, You're the math expert. I am certainly not the math expert, but uh, yeah, he was born 1963. So yeah, I mean, pretty pretty early in, in his life. Yeah. So um, the thing about Brazo de Plata is he gained a lot of weight and became a comedy act, but he became a really great comedy act, one of the best comedy acts around. But I think a lot of people who didn't see him work before that don't realize he was also considered a very great worker. And of course, you had. Um, you know, Los Brazos, I think they're all dead now, right? Wasn't he the only one that was still alive? Um, so I believe you... that's correct. Let me make sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure that that is true, unfortunately. Yeah, so they were a legendary trio team, one of the trio teams, uh, you know, Hall of Famers, the whole, the whole thing. Um, they lost the famous mask trios match to, to Vianos in either 88 or 89. And that's a famous match that's I've never seen it. I think the footage is very hard to come by at this point. I would love to see it. Thank you so much. You're really going to leave the dress on now, aren't you? Like them compliments. That's right. It is working. Trust me. All right. So um, crack open the Z here. Uh, 19, also- 1988, I believe, is, is when they lost the match. Yeah. And I, I know that, that it's on tape. I know that. But I, I don't know how readily available it is yeah let me uh, let me check october 21st 1988 let me see if uh, if you're able to find it anywhere uh, these days it, it's one of those ones that that sometimes pops up the quality is kind of iffy sometimes and sometimes it goes away it gets deleted or whatever i i've seen parts of it but i probably haven't seen the entire match uh, if if um uh, yeah i've never seen it for sure but um that's famous match and Vilan, the, the vianos took oh actually it looks like uh, april it got re-uploaded um, so there? I don't know. Yeah, it looks How like when I looked it up, it, it it says Los Vianos versus Los Brazos, uh, Mask versus Mask, Monterey. October twenty first, nineteen eighty. Let me try Monterey. to open it without it playing the audio. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, October twenty first, nineteen eighty eight. So how long to file? I'll put it in no dope chat room. Twenty three minutes. So let's oh, see if it's uh, yeah, it's a match. I mean, it's the quality's not great. Oh, it's pretty horrendous quality, but you know what? Hey, if you want to see Hold it, on, you can see it. So. Lucha from nineteen eighty eight, you take it. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say it looks like it's filmed on a a, 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 a freaking in a in it, like in an apple. It looks it honestly literally looks like footage from Excuse like nineteen twenty two. Like, you know, when you watch like Yeah. Like yeah, Babe Ruth sure. is the best home run header in the league. <laughs> it's like, you know, the war. Ah, the war effort. It's like, buy bonds. You know what I mean? Like, because you're watching some movie or whatever. It's like, yeah. yeah buy war I bonds. Would... It's like that. It's from 1988. <laughs> it looks like a fucking war bonds, uh, you know, fucking uh, Rich's, propaganda that, that was, video. <laughs> that was Rich's newsreel voice. Right. Yeah. Babe Ruth, the soul of SWAT. He yeah, slugged right? three homers for the Yankees. Even the kids are getting involved in the war effort. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's like a bunch of kids like lifting wood or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Kids, all hands on deck to, yeah. to help our men in blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, but yeah, that's uh, if I knew that match was floating around, I probably should have put in some effort. Didn't seem too hard to find. Maybe I thought it was harder to find than it really is. But 
I definitely would have watched it before we did the show. But yeah, as he aged, he became morbidly obese. I mean, the running joke has been, I mean, he used to do us, his, one of his famous comedy spot was faking a heart attack as, as a spot in a match because of the terrible shape that he was in. Like that became one of his comedy spots. In fact, the fake heart attack spot that he would do was something that he would also do. Okay. So I was talking to, oh man, who was telling me that story in Dallas in 2016? Um, who, who, I can't remember who it was somebody who worked with him in a trios match and in Mexico. And what he would do is sometimes he would do the fake heart attack to get out of losing a fall. <laughs> yes. Like he would, he, the story was he was supposed to drop like the first or second fall, whatever fall it was. And he, he did, he faked a heart attack, but no one else knew he was going to do that in the match. And he just did it to avoid taking the fall. And then he was scheduled to win the third fall. He came back. They took him out <laughs> of the back to life. And he came back out to win the fall. But he would do that spot as a planned spot. But sometimes, like in this instance, he would he would do it just to avoid like eating a fall in a match. Like a total worker. You know what I mean? A total worker. But um I can't remember who told me that story. Oh, I know who it was. Um oh the guy, he got uh Canceled and speaking out. He was uh, 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 from Texas. He uh, trained. Andy Dalton? No, 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 no. This is a luchador. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry <wrong laughs> he also Whoops. is from Texas and got canceled <laughs> and speaking out. Um, no, um, uh, Rudy Boy, uh, Rudy Boy, Rudy Boy Gonzalez told me that story. He said he was uh, he, he was in a trios match with, with, with Porky and he faked the heart, but didn't tell anybody. So, and then came back, you know, the hero of the match in the third fall. Um, so yeah, there was the heart attack spot, and then of course he had the, um, the really short run in WWE in the the uh... 2005. Yeah, th this is people. It, it's still to this day. I can't believe this was a real thing, but it was a real thing for for a short period of time. It started October of 2005. It was <laughs> getting the wayback machine here. Network executive Palmer Cannon. Remember Palmer Cannon? Remember Palmer Cannon? Yeah. <laughs> SmackDown GM the uh, Theodore Long. Uh, so yeah, they had uh, uh, the guidelines were midgets, dwarfs, the little people. They're all welcome. So it was any world class athlete that was five foot tall or under was this idea the juniors for the division. juniors division. And when I when we think when you think juniors division, you probably think, oh hey, they probably got some like really cool talent or whatever. No, no. the junior division. The logo for the juniors division was like children's like handwriting. Yeah. Do you remember this thing? It looked like it looked like a Saturday morning like, and there was like a, like a bouncing ball. Yeah, it was like a bouncy ball. Like they were they they were yeah. literally supposed to be these like children. small people that AK children. Yes. Somehow, Super Porky got involved in that. I have no idea. Mostly because I think someone found out that he was really really fat. So they had great segments where he would like eat stuff backstage, and Teddy Long would you know hold his head and go, "Oh my god, I can't believe what's going on here." Just, well, Rich, he's, he's he's 5 foot tall, nearly 400 pounds, and his name is Super Porky. Yes. You don't think they were <laughs> right. all over that when they found out? But so, uh, the other guys were uh, yeah, there was Super Porky, it was Mascarita Sagrada, uh Pitbull Patterson, uh Parathito, and then uh the other guy Short Sleeve Samson. 
yeah. and Octagon Sito. <laughs> so it's it was not good. And then I don't even know that Porky ever wrestled a match. I don't. Did I think he, he was only backstage. Yeah, I think he was only backstage. Doing and he would stuff. carry around like a spiral ham. Yes, always had a spiral ham, and he would always just start eating it as well. Just and, uh, eat the ham, and Teddy Long would be like, "What's going on, player? Like, why are you eating that? <laughs> right, like that exactly. would be the bit. Would, That was it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he would never actually. I don't know if he ever wrestled a match. That's the thing in in WWF. But um, that was very short lived. And we always tell this story, but they recruited Taiji Ishimori yes. for that. And I don't know why that fell through. I don't know if Ishimori was like, kind of read the tea leaves and was like, I don't want to do this shit, or. They just couldn't get him in, but I don't think it was supposed to start as like a comedy division where the guys were portrayed as children. I think it was a genuine effort at first to do something different, but you know, once they get their eyes on some of these characters, they can't help themselves. And shockingly, uh, it failed. Yeah, February so, February 2006, it was eventually done uh, as well. But that that transitioned into Hornswoggle, who debuted later in that year too. So they they got their they got their little people no matter what. But uh, yeah, it was not in the the juniors division. But Super Porky was a part of of that. And I believe is that where he got the Super Porky name? Am I am I correct in that that that's that's where Super Porky came from? That I don't know. I think he, he was still been. yeah. I think he was still Brazo de Plata at that time. And then after that, he well, was... he's always been Brazo de Plata. Right, right, I, right. I think once I don't I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I can't give you an answer. My 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 gut tells me no. Um, but I, you could be right. I don't. We're talking sixteen, seventeen years mm-hmm. ago now. I could be wrong. I don't know. But um, yeah. He and that was also, I think, when he had briefly left CMLL and jumped to AAA. Correct. So because he was a CMLL guy for decades, um, I guess he was a UWA guy before that. But um, and then he he jumped to AAA, and then, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Maximo and Psycho Clown are his children. So, two very famous wrestlers that he has as sons, and one is the you know biggest star in Mexico right now, and Maximo has been a big star for a long time as well. And, you know, part of that huge family, you know, is. Yeah, the Alvarado family, who's got a, a ton of people. Lady Apache's there, the Brazos, as we said, Maximo's there, Psycho Clown's there. Uh, just, yeah, tons of people in that family. Just a really, really... Lady, Apa- Lady Apache? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Fabi Apache. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, different, different. Yeah, uh, Aramis, different. I believe, is in that family as well. I think he's... Oh, really? Yeah, I think he's technically... Like the current uh, Aramis, really? Uh, I, I believe so, that. I believe that's the case. It might be another Aramis, but I, I, I think I saw earlier that... Um, Part of that family? Yeah. One of yeah. the brothers? So he, So Porky was his uncle? Or... I think so. Unfortunately, Cubs fan or Rob Viper is probably going <laughs> to respond that if I have it wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. They know we try. Um, yeah, no, but he he was uh, he was he would lose hair matches a lot. Porky would. Um, let me pull up his wiki because he probably lost twenty hair matches. Let me see if I can. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot. Unfortunately, you're going to look at his record, and there, there's a lot of masks and a lot of hair. <laughs> that dude, that dude understood it. He got the game uh, uh, for sure. Yeah, almost every year for, from about 1992 on, uh, this he lost his hair. <laughs> would grow his hair and then lo- and then talk his way into a hair match. Like just anytime he needed a haircut, he would get some money out of it. He they paid him to get haircuts. That's awesome. Good for him. That's living life, man. That is that's how you do it, baby. He won a bunch of them too, though. 
I'm noticing on his record here. He won more than I thought. Uh, he took a lot of hair. He took a lot of people's hair. Um, but yeah, that you know, if they weren't a, were they a? Uh, they're in the Observer Hall of Fame, right? They have to be. Maybe they're not. <sighs> let me let me let me double check. I I I remember talking about them, but I don't know that they ever actually made it there. So let me let me let me see if I can double check that real quick. I'd be a little surprised if the, if as a unit the Los Brazos are not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but according to Wikipedia, they're not. Usually that's listed. Uh, Los Brazos, no. They're not. I mean, maybe they don't belong. I mean, I, my my limited knowledge, I would think they belong. Maybe I'm off base on that. I, I I never try to pass myself off as a lucha expert. I never have, and I probably never will. But that surprises me a little because they had some legendary matches that I would assume drew a shit ton of money. Um, you know, being one of those trios teams along with the Vianos and uh. And a couple of others that really carried that style for many years there. So that's surprising to me. Um, but yeah, then he had the second act as the comedy wrestler. And I mean, I think he even did an MMA fight or two. I mean, the guy just, you know, it's a, a true pro wrestler, a true hustler. You know, he even did some legit fights. So. Not a shock that he died of a heart attack, which is, you know, I mean, he kind of foretold that. I mean, he made it part of his gimmick yeah. that eventually that day was going to come. And and, and uh, like most guys, unfortunately, as you know, it, it, same thing happened with Yokozuna. It happens a lot of fat, you know, quote unquote fat wrestlers in, in, in wrestling is like eventually they just become so big and then it becomes like, OK, this is not good for your health. But when it's so synonymous with your character and his character became funny fat guy, you know what I mean? So he just you'd see him every single year. And like usually I would see him just, you know, I, I don't watch him that much Lucha, but I'd see him maybe once or twice a year or whatever. And every single time I remember we would talk about him and we'd say, Joe, he's bigger than ever. Like he's bigger. I've never seen him this big. And he just kept getting so, so big that, yeah, it, unfortunately it, it's always, you know, nobody should die when they're 58. But when you see a guy like that and you're like, well, I mean, I'm not. You know, unfortunately, I'm not super, super surprised that he died of a heart attack, just given given his his weight and his health that that it really just felt like it took over the last ten years, just got way out of control. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's hard enough for non entertainers to get the motivation to lose weight, as you know. But then, like you're saying, when it's part of what's making you money, yeah, oh yeah, made him money. So you you almost have. Almost a built-in, I don't want to say excuse, but reason to justify in your mind why you're not getting in better shape. Oh well, this is this is my this is my uh, money maker. I you know I, I make money off of my weight, so you know so it could be even harder to get over that hurdle to get yourself into better shape if, like you're saying, that's part of what is paying your bills. So it's even a trickier deal from a psychological standpoint, I would think. Um, but yeah, I, I would have thought he was a little older than 58, but you always have to factor in that the Lucha guys start a little earlier yeah. and part of a legendary, did you find his brother, his brothers are dead, correct? Uh, yeah, I believe, I believe every other yeah. one of those is, is dead. So, um, so there you go. That's, uh, that's Braza de Plata, super porky. Yeah. Who, you know, I will, I will definitely watch that trios match. Cause that's 
a legendary match. I don't know if it's any good, but it's the kind of match where that's a famous match, and I've never seen it before. Right, you have to watch. So, Tremendously famous matches, you have to watch. You just have to. They have to be part of your catalog as, as, as a wrestling fan. That's, uh, that's one. There's a few, yeah, there's like a few Lucha matches that definitely stand out. You know what I mean? The, the, the Blue Demon, um, uh, there's a few of those, and, and just like a few matches that it's like, no, you have to watch that match. That, that has to be a part of your catalog as a wrestling fan so yeah the atlantis match that one match of the year that mask versus mask match and and whenever whenever there's a big mask match um even now you know you kind yeah, of we'll always talk point. about it we'll always yeah. talk about it and cover it always yeah you got to make it a point to watch it and because you never know if you're going to see something that turns out to be incredibly historic so um so yeah, I'm glad that you found that. For whatever reason, I thought that it was like some super super rare. Only a few well, well, like I said, it just got uploaded in April. I, that, now, from my standpoint, I think I've seen that match get passed around a lot, usually during Wrestling Observer season. But I think it gets deleted a lot too, or it gets you know, whosoever account has it gets like you know, uh, copyright yeah, triggered yeah. or whatever. And then it, like I know Roy Lucier or whatever always had it on his account, yeah. but then his accounts would get destroyed. Then he make another account, then it get destroyed. Uh, and now it apparently is on this other account. But again, like I said, it just got uploaded in April, so who the hell knows? It might be gone uh, in, in a few weeks. So maybe if you get a chance to, to watch it. Uh, this week or next week, try to do so. And I, I linked it in the No Dopes chat room as well, so you guys can I can find it on the replay. Or as I said, just look up the date, uh, and you should be able to find it uh, as well. But expect, uh, understand the, the video quality, uh, not not great, not uh, not 4K or anything like that, but uh, uh, still a match that uh, you should definitely check out if you get a chance. I will do the same uh, and try to watch it as well. But uh, let's let's get to some of the other topics that we want to talk to you this uh, uh, about this week. Uh, and I think the top one, at least for me, and, and I think for a lot of people as well, uh, All Elite Wrestling announcing Rampage the First Dance on Friday, August 20th at the United Center in Chicago. Joe, I will be there, uh, hopefully. Well, we're going to try to get tickets tomorrow uh, in the pre-sale, but I uh, cannot miss this opportunity uh, to see live wrestling at the United Center. I have never personally seen live wrestling at the United Center because, there hell, there wasn't a whole lot of wrestling at the United Center uh, because WCW primarily ran the United Center. WWF ran it one time for SummerSlam 1994. Uh, then it became kind of a WCW uh, a building for, for many, many years after that. And, and WWE only recently did house shows there, uh, but always ran, obviously, the Allstate Arena instead of the United Center. But this is a big deal uh, for a lot of reasons. So Rampage, the first dance uh, at the United Center, Friday, August 20th. Now, for people that watch Dynamite, it's pretty clear what's going on here. And if you don't understand, if you're a dope or whatever, uh, immediately following this announcement of the first dance, Rampage, the first dance of the United Center, which was filled with people chanting CM Punk the entire time. The cameras <laughs> zooming in on people chanting CM Punk. Darby Allen does a promo immediately following this and says, I'm going to be in Chicago and I want to see the best in the world. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I mean, I without saying it, I think they're kind of saying it. But uh, regardless, what do you make of this news? Uh, United Center in Chicago, August 20th, just a few weeks before they're going to run three additional shows in Chicago. Uh, do you think this is a little bit too ambitious, or do you think it, it, it makes sense given what they're clearly, clearly hinting at here? Okay, first of all, is it still called the United Center? Yeah. It's not called the Sears Center or anything like that? No, no, United Center still. The Sears Center is not even called the Sears Center anymore. I was saying Sears Center on TV reviews over and over. Oh, so. no. I didn't think it was. I thought they said Sears Center for some reason. So the Sears Center is where they run all out or all in or whatever. But it's not the Sears Center anymore. It's the Now Arena. Because Sears doesn't have any money, so they can't sponsor it anymore. DePaul plays at the Wintrust Arena. And they've been there, too. They've been there as well, yes. 
right? They've been you're, to you're, you're finding out that Chicago has a lot of unnecessary arenas. Yeah. The United very, Center Blackhawks yeah. Bowls, okay? That's right, Blackhawks right. Bowls, big concerts, Beyonce, Jay-Z type shit. That, that all goes on at the That's United the Center. That's the big building. That's right. the big building. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Allstate um, is WWF and then the Chicago Wolves and some other shit here and there. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. The Chicago Rush of yeah. the Arena Football League when that was a thing. And, like, and not Jay-Z and Beyonce. And not, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce not going to do the Allstate Arena, unfortunately. And then the, the Sears Center, the Now Arena, pretty much literally nothing but all out. I don't even know why that arena exists at all, but it's close to my house, so I guess that's cool. Uh, and then, uh, what other ones? Wintrust Arena, DePaul, but also AEW Revolution. So there you got it. Right. The Odium in Villa Park. That was Global Wars and ECW. <laughs> what was it? Uh, Anarchy Rules with a Z. What's the name of that one now? That was the Odium. The Odium, yeah. yeah. How many of these are officially in Chicago and how many are... Uh, officially in Chicago, United Center and Wintrust Arena are, are both officially in Chicago. That's where you got to use the union workers and it's a pain in the balls. Indeed. Yeah, another big reason why right. Vince McMahon enjoys the Allstate Arena in lovely right. Rosemont, Illinois, where he has to pay nobody to, to run uh, that arena you know. except for, you know... The Twitter commies will get mad at me, but I can't blame them. I mean, it's just easier not to deal with that. Trust me, I, I, um, I, I, I'm somebody that's I'm not. I'm kind of in between. Like, I don't want to get into politics or whatever, but I will right, tell right, you, right. the unions in Chicago in particular, I absolutely, absolutely, 100 percent understand why somebody would say I'm going to run in Rosemont. That's fine. Thank that's you. That's pain in the balls. What's the deal with it? Yeah, I've I, had buddies know. that you know have, they'll do concerts, and it's like, oh no, can't plug in your amp. I got to plug in your amp for you. And they're like, look, I'm making fifteen dollars to do this gig. Like. I can't pay you to plug in the app. So mm-hmm. I had a friend that one time they were supposed to do a, a, a they, they were doing a thing at uh, one of the parks and, and it was and, you know, they got ready to set up and they, whoa, 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 no, 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 you can't set up. Our guys have to set up for you. And they just said, forget it. And they just did acoustic. <laughs> but they, didn't, they were like, we don't need our amps then. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Like we're going to make literally $18 doing this gig and we're not going to pay you $400 to plug in an amp. So no, sorry. We're moving. Absolute on. racket. <laughs> um. So, yeah, it's the United Center. Okay, so I screwed that up. I'm sure people are feverishly... I'm upset. I'm upset. But um, what was your question? Oh, yeah. So, okay, here's the thing. (laughs) What is happening? Why is this show happening, Joe? Hmm. (laughs) I'm having a hard time focusing. Number one, that dress. That's number one. If you want to stop, I can handle this. And and, and you can go take care of business with the dress. It's up to you. Listen, I have peed live on the flagship. I have eaten full meals. I have never banged while the flagship is going on. (laughs) That would really be pushing. That'd be impressive. That'd be maybe maybe save that for our anniversary show or something. So. I you know I'm not a quickie guy. I'm not a quickie guy. I you know. Well, we I do like three to... hours. We do three hours here, pal. So you're okay. Like I said, I'm not a quickie guy. So I like to you know. No, that one didn't work. Listen, they all can't be winners. All right. So listen, <laughs> the the <laughs> the thing about this is, even before the not so subtle hints which was basically telling you that CM Punk is going to be there. I thought that AEW had gotten themselves into a little bit of a mess because there is an expectation now that CM Punk and Brian Danielson are coming into the company. It may not be their fault that that expectation is out there because they didn't necessarily ask for this to be reported, working under the assumption that they didn't leak it intentionally. Um, but the fact is people expect these guys to show up. And to me, they were in a position where since they weren't coming out to deny these reports were false or were true and just come out and say these reports are false. And once Tony Khan told the New York post, he gave them the old no comment instead of 
you know, regarding both of these guys and whether they were under contract. At that point, you are now going to be the heel in this scenario if you don't deliver these two guys. And it doesn't matter whether that's your fault or not. It doesn't matter whether Bodyslam.net is accurate with their information or not. The perception is they're coming. And because you're not denying it, if you don't deliver, you are going to be the heel. Like it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that and that was before last night's dynamite, where now they're kind of just like they did everything they could do without saying the name CM Punk. They're telling you he's gonna be there. So at this point, they must deliver. And at this point, I am now 100% convinced that he is signed and coming in. Well, there's just, I mean, there's because, literally no justification for running the show unless you have this no. guy here. And, and even then, like, it's going to be very, very interesting. I've had a lot of people ask me, well, do you think they announce him before tickets go on sale? And I said, I think what, what they did, and I think they kind of played their hand pretty well here. And I, I enjoyed what they did on Dynamite this week because they did as much as possible to wink, wink, nudge, nudge you into saying, hey, this guy's going to be here on this show without necessarily doing it hundred percent, which I kind of like, it kind of leaves that little bit of intrigue in there or whatever, but let's, let's don't get it twisted on Monday when those tickets go to the general public and they sell, if they sell, let's say hypothetically, they sell 5,000 seats out of this 20,000 plus seats that can fill in the United center. And I have no idea what they're going to do. Maybe they're just going to fill the bottom deck or whatever, anything like that. Like, but regardless, they probably want 10,000 there. You don't, you don't rent, you don't rent that arena just for, you know, you don't rent that arena for 7,000 people. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to get 10, 15, that sort of range in there. You're trying to fill that fucking Right, right. Ideally, you get 20,000. Ideally, you get 22,000. It is not cheap yeah. to run that arena. There's a reason they haven't run it before. But, like, you know, don't get it. If, if they sell 5,000 tickets, they're going to tell you CM Punk's going to be here on a, on a rampage or whatever. But right now, they don't need to, and they can kind of keep the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And if things sell out right away, it's obviously worked. But then, like when you said, comes, then you to have punk, to deliver it. To when it comes to Punk, though, I don't even consider it wink, wink, nudge, nudge anymore. To me, if he's not there, it's akin to false advertisement. I, I don't think it's all that because they, they, yeah, they we're, are, we're getting in the bait and switch territory, really. If, if we then are. You, you go They're, to that arena and then they just go, all right, thank you. Bye. And you go, wait, what? Like, it is so heavy handed at this point that they must deliver him. Not with Danielson. Because they haven't done that with him. They have not, no. And that, and that's the thing. That's, a, I think, a pretty important distinction that we'll make here in a little bit is is they have done everything to tell you that Punk's going to be there, but they have not done much other than deny, you know, they, they've other than say, I have no comment on, on Danielson, but that's all they've gotten from him. How can you do all these Easter eggs and have Darby Allen say he wants to face the best in the world and all of that and run that show? They're going to chant CM Punk all night and then not deliver him. You're, I'm sorry, they're going to come across very <laughs> that's poorly. Not going to go well. No, you can't get away with that. Like, so I think at some point they're just going to announce him. I don't think they're going to do it as a surprise. I think they're just going to announce him and sell the place out. They'll sell the place out. Uh, I think I really think they will. It's a great town for them, and people will fly in for that. It's CM Punk. You know, he like we like we've talked about. He's the patron saint of this entire anti-WWE movement and is why a big reason why AEW exists in the first place. And this is this is CM Punk coming home even though he's never been there. That's what it is. And that's why I think he's a bigger get than Brian Danielson. That's We had that discussion either last week or the week before. I can't remember. But it's it will sell out. It'll sell the building out. And um, it would be really sleazy at this point 
to not have if he doesn't come in to me that's a disaster i mean that's it you can't not with the way they ran that dynamite last night and all those hints that because it wasn't just darby allen there was a ton of other very deep cut easter eggs where it might go over the heads of a of a of a common or casual whatever you want to call it but the hardcore wrestling fan picked up on them you even noticed a couple that I didn't. Yeah, yeah. The, the, when MJF so, came out and, and cut the promo where, where Jericho was laying in the, in the middle of the ring after Nick Gage. And I forget the exact wordage or whatever, but yeah, it was an homage to, to, to Punk when, when he cut that promo, the pipe bomb, you know, as he started the pipe bomb to uh, John Cena. Like some of the words that he used were very similar. The cadence was very similar as well. There was, so there was that. There was, the, you know, like we said, the directors zooming in on people chanting CM Punk, them coming out there and saying, ah, you know, we're going to run a show in Chicago in the entire segment, just being sent with people just chanting CM Punk the entire time. Darby saying best in the world. I mean, there's just there's so much. Short of making the pre sale promo code like Punk, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're, like they're really just like. They're inviting it. I mean, right, 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 right. There's talk that they can't legally promote him until a certain date. I don't know how true that is, but it would make sense. Um, because they haven't, you know, they haven't done anything that would break a contract or anything. They haven't said his name. Um, you know, but it's, it's certainly there's, they walked right up to the line. I mean, this is, this would be some, Dirty carny shit. If they don't have this guy signed, sealed, and delivered to, and ready to go, I mean that's all there is to it. And I don't think they would do that. I do not think that they would operate this way to make people think that CM Punk is going to work that show to sell out the bill. You're going to have if there's seventeen thousand people there, they're all going to fucking hate you when the show is over. I was going to say that place might be up for grabs. I'll be honest. I have a few friends that that. <laughs> I think would would probably tear some seats apart and, and, and like go nuts. I mean, it's. I don't mean that. Like, I mean that honestly. Like, it's gonna be if if you if people go and they spend you know whatever amount of money, and I haven't seen what even what the tickets are are for sale yet. Like, spend whatever amount of money, and a lot of those same people are going to go to all out already, and they're already spending money on all out in a couple of weeks. They're already spending money maybe at Rampage, maybe they're spending money at Dynamite. You know, they might be doing the whole package, all three shows in a couple of weeks. If you have people getting a fourth show in this city. And you don't deliver that, and it's just like, hey, here's Rampage. <laughs> it's just a show. I mean, that's, yeah. Because obviously the implication, with you renting out the United Center, you're renting out in Chicago, you're doing it again. I mean, this is, this is, this is killing the town territory type stuff. It really is. It, it, it would be that bad. I can't imagine they're that dumb. I just can't. It has to be signed, right? It's yeah, got to be done. Yeah, he's coming in. Um, it's got to be. Danielson, who knows? But I think... If they don't get Danielson or haven't signed Danielson, they can get away with it. You had to deliver one or the other. Um, you couldn't not deliver either one of them. I think they were even past that point. Um, you get now. Listen, if they would have came out and denied all of this, then none of this is on them. But they never did that for either guy. But you can't let it hang out there just to sell tickets or get people to watch your TV and then not deliver either one of them. You can't do that. So um, you can get away with delivering at least one. I think Punk is 100%. Then we'll see what happens with the other guy. You know, and there's other wild rumors floating around too. So um, look, it just AEW feels super hot right now. And for their rating to go up going head-to-head with the Olympics, that's very impressive. 
Um, I know it was only up slightly, you know, 1% or whatever, but they went up. And I know the Olympics, have, the ratings have been a disaster, but it's still like 17 million people a night watching. It's just down from its usual uh, stand. So it's still stiff competition. And I guess they lucked out to a degree because the, the Olympics aren't as hot as they usually are. Um, but, you know, the shows are always good. They're killing it in the ratings. They've held up amazingly well against the NBA Finals and the Olympics. And it feels like a hot product. It's got a buzz around it for sure. And it feels like it's has an upward trajectory. And um, they're nipping at the heels of, of Raw and SmackDown in the 18 to 34. Which is where they're going to catch them first. They're going to catch them in the 18 to 34 first. I mean, and when I say catch, not beat them one week. I'm talking catch and pass and stay ahead. That's going to be the demo where they do it first. The 18 to 34. 18 to 34 year old male, then 18 to 34 overall, and then away you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, the last, these last few dynamites have been, they just felt like, you know, wrestling feels cool again. No, they're crazy. Feels- they're insane shows. They're just nuts. I mean, they're, they're, they're a feeling that I haven't had from a wrestling show. And I honestly mean this since, you know, like peak, you know, Monday Night Wars, WCW, WWF stuff. As a, as, as a kid, what I said like behind it, the paywall today, yeah. I can't remember the last time I felt like a wrestling show was appointment television was probably fucking Nitro. Yeah, yeah, 1997 Nitro is <laughs> basically the comp that, that, people, that I have. Yeah, and, and maybe for people who liked the Attitude Era, it would be the Attitude. But again, you're still going back over 20 years. You know, so it's like. It, it, because fucking stuff happens on the show. It's exciting. It's nuts. Yeah, like, it, it's just a wild two hours. You need a cigarette when it's done. It's just, and that's rules. That's awesome. Like some people, some dorks are getting mad that things happen on a show. Things should happen on a show. Every yeah. second, something should happen on a show. That's good. I mean, every single segment isn't a winner, but it, it, in general, when you're done watching that show, you're like, wow, a lot of shit happened. And a lot of it was cool. And there were a couple of good matches. And, there's stuff that people are talking about the next day, and that's how it should be. We have forgotten this because the other guys are so bad and have been for 20 years. You know, WWE, you might get one or two Raws a year that feel the way that night that the feel the way Dynamite does every week. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's 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 crazy. It shows just really fucking good right now. You know, so hopefully they can sustain that. But when the thing with AEW and the thing with Dynamite is, I don't know about you, but I feel like there's just more shit coming. Like, I don't think they've peaked yet because you have the teases of Punk and Brian Danielson and, and all this shit. And it's like, you feel like the, like the best shit is still in front of us. You know, the New Japan relationship, they just keep stacking and growing that. You know, they aren't just... It wasn't just – remember we all thought Kenta would, might just be like a one-time one-off as like a make good or a little deal that they made? No. Now Hiroshi Tanahashi is on the show. <laughs> right. I know. It's nuts. Like, it's, it's, you know. And it's just like so, – it's not – it's like the third most important part of Dynamite last last night was that Hiroshi fucking Tanahashi appeared. You know what I mean? Like like yeah. not even – I don't even know if it's the third most important thing. You got the Dynamite uh, – you know, the United Center announcement. You got Hangman losing – um. Yeah. Maybe. Nick okay. Cage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Like Nick Cage and Jerry. Like the fourth or fifth most important thing was. Oh yeah. Hiroshi Tanahashi appeared on the show and challenged somebody. Like. 
yeah, I mean, and I don't think we've had a chance to talk about wrestling that's really hitting on all cylinders and that we love since New Japan was rolling real good. That we're excited about talking about because it's good, not because we're excited because we get a chance to bury it. And I'd rather talk about things that I that I really love and that are great. You know, um, it might be easier to bury things, but it's way more fun to talk about wrestling when it's good. So um, they're going great right now. So yeah, this is the longest way to answer your question. But yes, I think they're going to do very well in the building. There you go, United Center. Sorry, I had, I, had a, I had a dog emergency. What? What? Uh, what was the question? Nothing. I finally just answered your question. Oh, I thank you. Gonna, <laughs> yes. I think they're going to sell out the United Center because they're going to announce that CM Punk is going to be there. So, there yeah. You go. So, it took so do you twenty do you, minutes? But I answered your question. Right. Do you, do you think they do enough? Like just now? You think like on because tomorrow is the the presale. Monday's the official on public. Do you think that they do enough in those two days that they don't have to say it? Do you think they've done enough to get at least, you know, 10,000 seats sold or whatever? Or do you think then they're going to pre-sell? When is the pre-sale? Uh, what was that? When is the pre-sale? Uh, tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. So Friday. Yeah. So Friday about 10 a.m. general public? Uh, general public is Monday. The 2nd of July. Yes. Uh, uh, August, yeah. Uh, 2nd of August. Because the rumor is he, he cannot be announced until August 1st. Interesting. So it all okay. lines up, too. And I, again, I I don't know that that rumor. That's just the the word that's been floating around, dark Twitter things like that. Um, but here's the thing: I don't think it matters. I think they sell it out before they even say his name because I think people are working under the assumption he's going to be there. But you have it in your back pocket, right? The that you can announce him, and that's like, and they will announce him, I think. And at that point. If you haven't sold the building out, you will at that point. I was very conservative on Arthur Ashe when we talked about it. And I'm not going to be conservative anymore. It's a hot product. I mean, I am thoroughly blown away and super impressed by what they've been able to do with that New York show. I think because I, New York is typically the hardest market. Um, you know, they were untested there. It's Queens. You know what I mean? I, I had a lot of questions and uncertainty about that one. But they're so hot that they're going to and they're gonna and they keep opening sections in Arthur Ashe. And there's rumors that Brian Danielson may debut in Arthur Ashe. There's rumors now that they're gonna do Tanahashi Moxley in Arthur Ashe. And it's like if they announce anything like that, they can open up every seat in that building and sell the rest of them. Obstructed view, everything. So Chicago, CM Punk, I'm not going to be conservative this time. They're going to sell that bitch out. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I honestly have the same feeling. I mean, I, I know uh, the, just the buzz going around Chicago is, 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 yeah, that this thing is selling like crazy. And, and I think anybody that was going to go to All Out, you know, all those fans and, and the people that lived in Chicago locally, the people aren't kind of traveling in, I think all those people 
I'm probably going to buy tickets to this United Center show, too. There's just an aura about running the United Center as well. That's kind of a big thing because it's a big it, – it's sort of this – this. it's hard to explain, but it's like, wow, they're, they're really doing this. And there's some sort of thing like, hey, you know what? I haven't seen wrestling in the United Center. That's cool. That's a place that a lot of people have always said, hey, I wish you know WWE would run the United Center. I wish WWE would run the United Center because, like, I like the Allstate Arena. There's a lot of stuff to like about it. But the UC, it, it just has a different feeling. It's in the city proper. It's a big arena. It's a big basketball arena. It's, you know, the Bulls and the Blackhawks play there. You got – championship banners hanging from the roof it just has an aura about it that the all-state arena doesn't so i think there's just a general like hey cool wrestling is going to be uh, at the united center and and you hear it all the time from people saying you know i know that they like to run the sears center because there's some allegiance there to you know that was where all in was and they like to run wind trust because it's like a nice new arena and all that sort of stuff but anytime they want to run the uc they can do it and and, and this will be the test but i i'm with you i think I think this thing sells out pretty quickly. If, if not sell out, sells 10,000 plus, I think, in the first two days, at least the, by Monday, for sure. And then if they officially announce Punk, I think that thing gets at least 15 to 20, for sure, which is nuts. What's the, what's the date of the show? Uh, August 20th. So it's Rampage. Yeah. Yeah, getting Rampage off to a... I mean, I've seen a lot of people have a lot of doubts about what Rampage is going to be just because wrestling historically whether it's Thunder or Main Event or Superstars, you can go right down the line. These things start off as a big deal and then inevitably become C-shows, right? And Khan has said from the start, it's going to be an A-show. It's going to be equal to to Dynamite. It's not going to do as many viewers because we saw evidence of that when Dynamite moved to that time slot. Now, they had the extra hour, which dragged down the rating, because the 11 to 12 hour was disastrous. It, every every time you look at the quarters, Dynamite would plummet from 11 to 12. People, Rich, normal people like you go to bed. Okay, so that 11 to 12 hour was disastrous for them. But Rampage is just a one hour show. So it won't do, it has a chance to do better than those Dynamites did. But you have to, they really have to prove that it's not going to be a B show because people are pretty dead set on the idea that it's all bluster, it's all talk. But if you're doing a show like this, you know, a CM Punk debut, and, and it, that's the level of show I think you need to do to, to, to drill it into people's heads. This is going to be another A show. And I'm not in the camp that thinks it's quickly going to descend into a B show. I, I, I really think they mean it when they say they're going to put full effort into this, even though it's going to do less viewers. Um, because if people are expecting this to do a million viewers a week, they're not in that, not on that day and not in that time slot. That's not going to happen. But could this do a point three in the demo? I think it can. I, I, I do, which would be, massive for Friday at 10 o'clock for Friday at nine or 10 or what is it? 10 o'clock um, Friday at 10, right? 10 I believe Eastern. so. Yeah. Yeah. 10 Eastern. Yeah. That would be massive. I mean, nothing does those kind of numbers in that, in that slot. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to find any negatives in, in what AEW is doing right now. No, they're they're firing all right. cylinders. They're selling tickets left and right. Their, their TV ratings are up. It's 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 cool. It's fun. They're they're in the mix on all this stuff and and headline wise too. I mean, this is you know important stuff. Somebody in the in the no dope chat room mentions that uh, you know this this is going to be the day before SummerSlam. Rampage is the day before SummerSlam. Yeah. So Punk yeah. comes out there, steals the headlines, and I mentioned this on Twitter as well. And I completely kind of forgot that this was even happening. But so Monday, as I said, the general public uh, Rampage tickets go on sale for the public. That also is the date 
that Raw is in Chicago at the Allstate Arena. Which... <laughs> this is a that's a crowd that usually gets a little chippy, uh, you know that Chicago crowd, especially on Raw, especially if stuff's not good, like they get a little you chippy. Know, if your wrestlers were over, they wouldn't have to worry about they it. They would, but... but I think they're gonna have to turn down the house mic a lot because I think uh, things gonna get a little wild there. I don't know. Well, it, it's gonna be a fascinating day, and this stuff rules. And if you're a, a weirdo or a dork that thinks this stuff sucks, stop being a dork. This stuff rules. It's awesome. If Raw stinks, I hope they chant CM Punk all night, <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. You know, if it stinks, then that's what they get. Um, you know, I, in the old days, they would try to get the fans to get it out of their system before they hit the air. You know, but I don't think it'll work. Not yeah, yeah. The, the old strategy, and they did it the one time where they had Paul Heyman come out with his music and yeah. just troll the fans for like 20 minutes till they were just burnt yeah. out. And they went, all right, now sit down and shut up. Here's the rest of our dumb show. That's the last uh, taping I ever went to as well. But uh, um yeah, they they said. All Did right. you fall for it when you were there? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, it was like two. Yeah. It was like two months after the Royal Rumble when he walked out or whatever. So it was it was justifiable that he'd come back in Chicago. But yeah, it was right. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's gonna be very. I mean, this is this is fun. There's left. There's jabs. We're gonna talk about the the quarterly calls. There's jabs left and rights. There's you know there's some fun stuff. This is this is awesome. This is great. Like you said, the only thing that would be better if another billionaire out of nowhere said, you know what, fuck it, I want to make a wrestling company. Yeah. That would be incredible. It'd be great. Mark Cuban decided. Yeah, Mark Cuban goes, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm going to make a wrestling company. Because like, he, he likes wrestling, yeah. so it, it has to be someone who knows what they're doing, too. Like, he'd be perfect. So uh, Yeah, Mark Cuban hires be- Paul Heyman and says, ah, fuck it. Let's run a wrestling company. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like- that'd be phenomenal. Be tremendous. Okay, come on. Come over here. You want to say goodnight? All right. You're going to bed now? Good night. I'll see you tomorrow, okay? All right. The boy too or no? <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Why? What? He's got a poop? Oh, he went poop. Oh, good for him. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. graphic. All right. Okay. Yeah, he's been having trouble shitting, the, the boy. He's Yeah, uh, well... He probably doesn't want me talking about this on air, but he's four, so yes, he can't right, stop. Yes, right, right, right. Well, tell him that when you're an adult, you can't stop shitting. So it gets, you That's know, right. It's like, it all balances out eventually. Right, trust me. Right. For the next, for the last yeah. three-fourths of your year, of your life, you're never going to stop shitting. So it's it's an ebb and flow. So. I shit constantly. I know. Like, it's like eight times a day. You know what I mean? The amount of times I shit, it's just, it's amazing. I'm like, where is it coming from? Yeah, I don't, I don't even eat that much. I don't know where it all comes from. It's yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Did you finally get your Coke Z? Did you have to wait an hour and a half? No, she brought it a long time ago. Oh, okay. Not oh, only, good. Oh, whew. Not only did I get a refreshing Coke Z, Rich, it's in my L.A. Rams koozie. Oh, look at okay. you. Well, listen, you compliment the dress and things, you know. This is a classic L.A. Rams or a, a modern L.A. Rams koozie? It's the modern L.A. It's the new logo. Okay, LA that's fair. Yeah. Um, I do have an old L.A. Rams keychain from the original days that I'm holding on to. Yeah, that's like a relic at this point. Um, well, 1994, but the keychain's probably from like the late 80s. Nobody cares. What's the next topic? <laughs> next here, topic. Right? All right, that's, uh, that's obviously. So we we did the speculation there. CM Punk, Brian Danielson, the latest on that. Uh, I did want to mention this: the Matt Men podcast. Uh, Andrew from the Matt Men podcast, who, who has had good sources before, has been right about a lot of stuff as well. Uh, he had a report this week 
Uh, it, it, some notes I wanted to point out about it as well, and then you can kind of give your quick little reactions about it. Uh, I said WWE Network partner, uh, partners are shocked about the uh, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan thing. I uh, says WWE officials are not concerned about Punk signing with another wrestling promotion. While officials are rumored to see Punk as a big signing for AEW, they were not negotiating with Punk for a return, and Punk signing with AEW is not seen as a major blow to the company. So the network partners are kind of taken aback by this. WWE officials apparently... Not concerned, uh, according to them. Uh, WWE officials reportedly do see the Daniel Bryan signing uh, as a major hit against them. Uh, he says here, this is Andrew Zarin, obviously from the Mad Men podcast, it's still uh, saying that WWE officials are upset that the company no longer has Daniel Bryan under their banner. It is rumored that Vince McMahon is very upset that Bryan signed with AEW. And members of the company's management team are said to be very angry at other potential new signings what do you what do you think of what do you what do you make of this uh report here from uh, from andrew so and this report is just working under the assumption that danielson is signed yes a lot of uh, people I, are i i'm not i'm not all the way in on that a lot of people are 100 percent on that i am 100 percent on punk these days i'm not 100 percent on daniel bryan until that music until final countdown or or, or whatever blasts over the inner i am not buying daniel bryan until he until he uh, literally shows up i mean my gut tells me they're both signed and now I'm 100% on Punk. So, but no, but but we don't officially have any official report that there's pen to paper on either one of them. That's important to point out. But I do think that both of them are. I I, I, sh- I probably should have made that more clear during the Punk segment. I, I do think they've got Danielson, but I'm just not. If I'm 100% on Punk, I'm 99% on Danielson. It seems like you're not quite there with me, but... um. You know, but yeah, everyone's kind of just working under the assumption that they're both done deals. Look, I don't know what to make of that. I think that it kind of ties into some of the stuff we heard on the financial call today, where Vince kind of no-sold the idea that AEW is competition. And I do think some of that is is a is a petty sideswipe. I do. In other words, let's not acknowledge them. Let's not, you know, let's no sell them. But at the same time, I can totally see the attitude of they're going to do their thing. And if it doesn't preclude us from growing and doing our thing, then we really shouldn't view them any differently than any other form of entertainment. Nick Khan talks all the time everything's our competition. Netflix. TikTok. These are all the ones that he names. Netflix, TikTok, Sleep. Sleep. I love that. That was the quote that I I circled and said, "Oh, Joe yeah. is going to want to talk about this quote later for sure." Like he he labels we all compete of these with things sleep. Sport. Yeah. The NBA, you know, he, he all of these things and they lump AEW in with that as opposed to they are our direct wrestling competition and we need to take them down. I believe them when they say that that's not the attitude anymore. Oh, no, for because sure. I really, yeah. No, I, I really I, think Nick Khan has changed the culture in that way. And I, I do think it has permeated into Vince's head to some degree. Oh, for sure. And and I think this is something that's not completely new from Vince either. I mean, for, for a long amount of years, he's been it, – it's been clear from the direction that his company goes that he – views obviously the brand as the draw the Dota, we are Dota B and these are our performers and they they are largely interchangeable yes there are a few guys that 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 obviously he he, he holds near and dear and, and truly believes are his stars or whatever but we and we talked about this weeks and weeks and weeks ago about punk and and, and Danielson. both of those guys are way more valuable to AEW than they are to WWE at this point 
And, and some people might, you know, and I think some people actually kind of were like, what do you guys, I, they didn't understand it. CM Punk and Brian Danielson mean so much more for AEW if they walk out there than if Brian Danielson walked up on Raw, on SmackDown and Raw or whatever. Because we've seen it. He's been doing it for, you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. doesn't affect that company all that much. It doesn't matter. The co- the wheels are still going to be in motion. Everything is going to be fine. The TV deals are going to be fine. It doesn't matter that Brian Danielson is in that company or not in that company. It does, it's he, would po- he would pop one rating and they'd be right back to where they were the next week. Right. And 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 Punk maybe a little bit more, but I think, you know, largely I don't think same Punk, thing. Yeah. It would be like a two a, a few week thing, but that'd be the same show. It just would have CM Punk on it and he'd be a part because of it. Because the show stinks. Right. And everyone knows it stinks and it would just end up right this is what happens when they do anything big. We just saw it with John Cena. Why would it be any different? With <laughs> right. Guys? He's already just a guy on the show. It's... We're watching it happen. Like in re- now he is selling tickets. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He's always going to do that. Always going to be. That should that be pointed point. out. He is selling tickets. And, you know, I think these guys would sell tickets. But in terms of the TV, I mean, no, it, it, it would go right back to where it was because the show is bad. And now the competing show is so much better. I mean, that, that that's why you're starting to see this slow uh, turn of the tide with the ratings, particularly in the younger demos. But anyway, go ahead and, and finish what you were saying. Uh, but but yeah, just I, I think value wise, like they're they're just I I totally buy like you said in in, in that room them thinking ah, whatever you, you know who cares yeah Brian Danielson's not gonna be on a roster that's fine we're cool we're, you know we're 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 writing SmackDown right now we're we're writing an USO Roman Reigns backstage segment right now it does it doesn't matter so it it's just yeah it, 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 it it's and and you know Zarian said the last thing that he said here. Uh, was that the WWE, he said a WWE broadcasting partner, a source at a WWE broadcasting partner, said that they are more concerned about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan going to AEW than WWE is at the moment. And the source said, quote, WWE is not as concerned about the possible Daniel Bryan and CM Punk signings to AEW as we are. And again, like, you know, as you said, some people can read that as oh, WWE being like, oh, we're not going to give them the time of the day or we're going to. But I, I'm with you. I truly believe that in that building, they don't care. And that's what we said when people were saying, oh, well, Vince McMahon thought that. Alistair Black was good, and I'm sure somebody else fired him or whatever. They, they're post. You have to get your head around what this company is. Go listen to that conference call. Go listen to what Nick Khan's talking about. Go listen to it. They are. We said it months ago. They are so far nowhere near a wrestling company at all anymore. That's not what they do. That's not their business. Nick Khan is not in the business of running a wrestling company. He's in the business of running a multimedia company. He says that every time someone every asks. single time he is asked about it, he says, we are not a wrestling company. We don't even say that in the building, which they haven't for years, to be fair. Right. But, but but there was the fake, you know, we're not wrestling, we're sports entertainment thing for a while, right. which was largely, you know, either tax dodging or or, or whatever. But like I 100 percent believe 100 percent believe that now in that bu- in that building, in that room or whatever, the, the bell to bell, the actual ring of a wrestling ring bell or it, it, meaningless, the ropes, the ring. It, it nothing. It does not matter. That's just what they do. That's what their show is about. But it's a multimedia company with a show about wrestling. And then if you even listen to the conference call, they're saying, hey, we would love to do a whole lot of shit that has nothing to do with wrestling. Yeah. You know, moving forward. Scripted shows, right. unscripted shows. Because as he's been saying for months and months, Marvel, we want to be Marvel. We want to be able to do, you know, multimedia thing. It's, it's, and, and I, so that's why I can totally buy them no selling AEW because while they're in a, Look, we know, okay, it's absurd to say that they're not competition because they're because WWE can keep saying they're not wrestling, but they are, and AEW is wrestling, and that's who's taking their market share. TikTok is not taking their market share. 
right, AW deals. Right, right, right. We talked about it a few weeks ago. When, when they get back into the room and have to talk TV deals and stuff, <laughs> they can't say, well, we're Marvel. They're going to say, no, you're not. <laughs> like, you're, right. you're wrestling. Shut up, dude. Like, you know, like they can say that all they want. But yeah, when, they, when, it, when, it, when it actually gets down to sitting down in a room and discussing TV deals or whatever, they're a wrestling company at that point. They're, they're, they're a pro wrestling company when they do that. But, but if Nick Khan, who has proven to be a genius in the sports media landscape, okay, if he's telling Vince, hey, listen, it doesn't matter how much they grow. As long as we grow and do our thing, we're still going to get ours, regardless of what they get. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about whether Tony Khan makes money or not. Worry about uh, – I can totally see Nick Khan approaching it that way because he doesn't have decades of being in a culture – where you have to crush your competition in pro wrestling. He does, he's not part of that. He has a singular focus. Can we improve the next deal? And if he feels like he can improve the next deal, he's not going to care what AEW is doing. And maybe that, ha- that has permeated into Vince's brain. And while they may be keeping one eye on AEW, I don't think they're completely full of shit when they say that they don't consider it direct head-to-head competition. I, you know, I do think they may be no-selling them to a degree just to, you know, troll them a little or, or, or you know, make it see, put off the impression that they're being ignored to kind of keep them in their place. But at the same time, I really do think I could see at least Nick Khan having a completely different perspective on wrestling competition that Vince McMahon has historically. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's probably a better I, I honestly at this point in their in their in their company and, and, and where they are, it's the right move. They they've spent and invested a lot of money in competing with people that aren't on their level. And they've done that for years and years and years and years. And and and, and it maybe it took it took a wake up call to say, Vince, what are you doing? Like who cares? <laughs> you're so far ahead of these guys and you're in a different stratosphere. Just don't worry about it. But but that's Vince McMahon's MO, no matter what, you know, crush the competition, crush the competition, crush the competition. Anybody can, you can argue it all you want. That's always, always, always been his MO, and it's obviously worked very well for him, but it's gotten to him, him to a point now where the competition is so far behind that, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's an unreasonable strategy to do. Now, will it come to, you know, will it be a, a successful strategy if, you know, coming uh, to, to, you know, TV deal renewal time when, when people look at AEW and go, hey, well, this wrestling company that is your competition or whatever, they're doing this and this and this, so we're going to give them money instead of giving you guys money. Yeah, that might be a problem. But for right now, it's like, yeah, don't like, – you're already way ahead of them. Just keep going. Just see what you can do. Become a – you're a content multimedia factory right now. Just – you're well, that. Well, if Nick, well, okay. Well, let me ask you this. Let me present it this way. If Nick Khan – and I don't know if this is the case, but if he is of the belief that – Regardless of what AEW, how AEW performs ratings-wise, if WWE is still going to get, let's say, a 25% increase in their TV rights deal next round, and AEW is going to get a 40 or 50% increase, or they're, you know, they're both going to get – if he still projects the same increase that he's been projecting regardless of AEW's performance, do you think he cares whether AEW gets that money or not as long as 
they're getting theirs. Right. Yeah. And that's another, that's, that's another big my point here. And I don't right. know if I'm being clear. No, no, but... no. I, I get it. Cause Vince always, always has cared what other people, he's still eliciting the, the name of Ted Turner and stuff. And it's like, bro, <laughs> like, and I like, you're right. Ted, the, the idea that Nick Khan probably has in the building is who gives a shit? <laughs> like we just made $8 billion. Who fucking cares if that other company made a billion dollars? And that's, that's a different approach to business. And I think a smarter approach to business, honestly, Keep growing your stuff. Don't worry what your competition is doing. Like I'm with I'm with him. If that if that is I don't know. His see, I don't know if that's the mindset, right. but I could see that being the mindset. It wouldn't stun me if that's well. The and mindset. he comes from the sports world too. And, and 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 this is another interesting perspective that I think a lot that you and I have that you know a lot of other people that don't come from the sports world. You know, Major League Baseball doesn't really worry if the NBA is getting popular. You, you know what I mean? Like yes, largely like it'd be ideal for the for Major League Baseball to be the most popular sport in America. They're probably going to get the most money if that if that's the case. You know what I mean? But to them, as long as they make a, a, a billion dollars on a television deal, it doesn't really bother them that much that the NBA also makes a billion dollars on a TV deal. You know what I mean? Like as right, long as they right. they all get right. a taste, and as long as they're not, I mean, they're 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 competitors in the sense that you know sports fans have to decide which one they're going to watch sometimes, or you know you have to be more devoted to one or the other. But but largely they're not. It's not a zero sum game. Both can exist and both can thrive on their own, and, and and both companies should worry about themselves first and foremost before worrying about the other ones. But yeah, that, that's it's akin to that. It's akin to you know Rob Manfred being like, God damn it, we cannot let the NBA you know survive, and it's like who cares? Whatever, man. Like they're another sport. It's a completely different thing than we are, and that's where I think you know Nick Khan, who comes from that world, might think the same thing. Who gives a shit, man? Let him make a billion dollars. I don't care. And, there, and it, so it could be bluster. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's not. I mean, it could be, but I, I, I could totally see it being being this sort of mindset as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what what do you want to tell me, Nolan? What's going on? I went poo. You went poo. Nice. Congrats. Give me a high five. <laughs> it, it, go ahead. I'm not mad. I'm 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 happy that you went poop. I'm not mad. <laughs> Mommy put medicine in your butt and then he did a poop. Yeah. What you don't realize at four years old is this is perfect content for this show. Like this is exactly what we do. <laughs> like this is Oh. I, I know what a suppository is. I do. This is tremendous like content. Like right now, he's like a different kid. Look how happy he is. He's taking <laughs> light on his feet. Before that, he was shivering. He was not eating. He didn't eat all day. Wow. He was, he Feeling light, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, tremendous job. Congrats on the poop. All right. I'm going to tuck you later in that dress. Tell you that. Yeah. So there you go. An update on the, there you on go. the boys. He pooped. On the, on the boys' poop. Mommy put the thing in my butt and then I pooped. So, yeah. Well, you know. Congrats. <laughs> Congrats on the poop. Yeah. Nice job out of him. Big smile on his face. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, an old guy or like a dad who's constipated. He's bouncing around. I could tell he had a, he had a glow to him. <laughs> you know, he's... Yeah. He was, he was standing there for like three minutes. Just waiting. At the I'm like, you have to be quiet. Some, you know, I'm holding my finger to my nose. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, cause you were talking and he just could not wait to tell me about this poop. So yeah, you should, yeah. you should write the Andrew Rich, uh, the producer, Andrew Rich has a great, uh, you should, you should, uh, write this down and play this audio back to him in 10 years and it'll be horrified and, and upset. Let at me you tell and... you something. I hope neither one of them ever listened to a second. Of <laughs> I was going to say, are you kidding me? Jeez. 
those 2015 tapes. Well, half of those stories are about their mother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe when they're 24, maybe maybe in 20 years yeah. you could listen to that one. So. Yeah, fourteen. I don't know if you want to hear those, but uh, I don't. You really don't want to hear them ever, to be honest. Now that I think about it, so that's uh, no, no. Think about yeah. that. Yeah, I no. <laughs> I'd rather not. So like if it, like no, your dad no, has some journal of his sexual yeah, conquest. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's yeah. I I'm already uncomfortable. Just <laughs> would you read about your dad? No. at the at the sock hop with Judy Taylor. Dad's <laughs> are. Bad. Finger blasting her in the bathroom. You want to read? Oh, about I guess that? you know. I'm I trying don't... to think. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he was born in 1950. He'd probably go to a sock hop. So. I think yeah, when, did, when did the sock ops end? When, when did the yeah probably it probably got a few sock ops till about sixty two right? He's a little young for the sock ops, but he may have gotten some late era sock ops. Yeah, possibly. Like I don't know if he got like I don't know if Susie Taylor was wearing like a poodle skirt. <laughs> right, right. There's no poodle skirt though. Like the poodle skirt that I don't know about. Yeah, but his slick back they're... hair and his leather jacket and his uh his convertible. <laughs> right, you know? he's got like yeah. He's the rolled up jeans with the fucking white socks. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I don't, I don't know if your dad, like, was full on. Like he was, he's too young for the heart of the sock hops. But w- could there have been a lingering sock hop in like 1962 or three when he was like 12 or 13? I think so. You should ask him about it. I'm gonna, yeah, I think next time I will, uh, I'll talk to him and ask him about this. You ask him if he finger blasted anybody in the bathroom. <laughs> sock finger hop. blasted. What was it, Susie? What was her name? Uh, Susie Taylor. Susie Taylor, yeah. If he's a finger blast. Sounds Susie like a Taylor. girl from the 60s. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Susie Taylor. Susie right. Taylor, yeah. She lives down the block. Yeah, Susie Taylor from down the block, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so no, you wouldn't want to read a journal. No, I, no, That'd I would not. That'd be the equivalent of, yeah. you don't want to find your dad's little black book from, you know, uh, the orgy he had at Woodstock. <laughs> you don't have any interest in that, right? Like... <laughs> Your dad uh, rolling around in the mud with with a okay. couple of hippies while yeah, you know while Richie I... Havens is performing at Woodstock. <laughs> like you don't <laughs> you don't want to read about that in depth the way that I'm describing it right now. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. not something you're interested in. You're so uncomfortable right now just even thinking about that. <laughs> you're right. You got it. You nailed it. So yes, uh, yes. Hopefully they they never do listen to that. So uh, anything else on WBQ two you wanted to go over? Uh, Brandon Thurston, obviously WrestleNomics uh, has. All the coverage you could possibly want from that. Uh, Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network, obviously, this week. Uh, he'll have all the details there. You can also follow him at Brandon Thurston uh, and at WrestleNomics a- as well. But, uh, I mean, another good year, obviously. They keep making money because <laughs> they make money like crazy. So, Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing. And they make, you know, just multitudes of millions. $265.5 million Q2 revenue. Yeah, that's just quarter two. I mean, they're gonna <laughs> make a quarter. they're gonna make a billion dollars again, and this is why it's like when I say on Twitter that they're just they're in a completely different stratosphere than AEW. That's where you can see why they would say that they don't consider them competition. They're just it's a completely different animal revenue wise. Um, will it come to pass? But we've been asking that question a long time. You know, will it come to pass this time around? I, you know, I, I don't know. But um, you know, there, there's no there's no end to the the bubble in sight, and they've got the guy working for them, who that's yeah, the guy you want. I mean, there's no one else in the world you want forecasting this stuff than the guy that he has in the room. So, is it all bluster for the investors? Are they concerned more than they're letting on? Maybe some listeners have a different opinion on that. Um, 
you know, I don't see it that way yet. The other thing too you have to consider, Rich, is is you know that Vince McMahon is way more confident in his product than we are. So you have to factor that in. He probably doesn't recognize the massive issues in the product that we have been talking about for the last half decade on this show. So from that perspective too, you know, where we are, we're, we're baking that into our analysis. Oh, well, the show's terrible and it's not going to get better. So they're going to, he may have a completely different perspective on that. Right. I highly doubt he finalizes the script and goes, well, that's a fucking terrible show. All right, guys, let's do it. So, you know, right. So, so they, they probably think the show is good and there's just other outside reasons why people aren't watching and we're going to get them back. And, you know, we're going to sign all these great uh, licensing deals and, that might be the next frontier for them. It may not even like TV money. Nick Khan might be on to the next thing. He might be viewing it as all right. Well, the next frontier is licensing deals. The next frontier is movie franchises. The next frontier is whatever the fuck they've got cooking up with uh, with all of his cronies that he's hiring from from uh, you know from his Fox Sports days and everything else and, and creating all this original television content. You know that might be what they're viewing. They might be operating two or three steps down the line, whereas AEW is still operating on, okay, we're waiting to score our first massive television deal. And that, and that, that's what AEW should be focusing on, okay? Their core wrestling product and getting a you know 150% raise on the $45 million television contract. That should be their focus. Okay, but WWE, and this is why I say they're playing a different game. They might be focusing on what the next thing is, the next because they can't. How much more money can they squeeze out of their content at this point? You know, there's not. You know, you could always get more, I suppose. But you know, it's it's there has to be new revenue streams, and I think that's what they're looking at now. Who's the guy that they just hired from Fox Sports? Jamie. Uh, uh, Jamie Horowitz. Jamie Horowitz. Yeah, they just yeah. hired Jamie Horowitz. And, and these are not people that are coming in to tighten up your fucking wrestling. Product. No, no. Yeah. AEW. Every new AEW hire is like a wrestling dude. You know what I mean? It's it's CM Punk. It's Brian Danielson. It's it's this guy. It's Jerry Lynn. It's Dean Malenko. You know what I mean? It's those guys. And WWE is hiring Jamie Horowitz. You know what I mean? Who's, no, they're who's... hiring the guy who created First Take. <laughs> right. <That's> <laughs> exactly. It's different you universes. Know, yeah. This is what I'm saying. They're operating on a different plane. So this is why I genuinely believe it's not all bluster. I think in the room, they don't necessarily consider them competition the way that wrestling fans do. So, um, and, and, and I'll tell you what, on the same token, I don't think Tony Khan has to worry about WWE. It, it, it is in his favor how bad their television is. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But as long as he keeps doing his thing and keeps presenting crowd-pleasing wrestling shows and television, and stays on this path, they're going to be just fine. Oh, there, there's an empty market right now for a wrestling show, and they're filling it. <laughs> they're yes. absolutely filling it. And, and, and we could have the same conversation in reverse. What the fuck does it matter what kind of deals WWE signs or what kind of money they make as long as AEW keeps growing? The, the one thing you would fear is if WWE gets to a point where they're finally annoyed by these guys and decide, you know what? We're going to, and, and they, and you know, this was their strategy for a while. We're going to change the game by just overpaying everyone. Right. We're going to poach down. We're going to give Kenny Omega so and, much money that he can't reasonably per, turn us down. But what's going to happen then is you're going to have yourselves a billionaire pissing contest because, and I think the reason that they don't really want to go down that road is because the cons have more money 
than Vince McMahon. Okay. And if they get into that kind of battle, all right, maybe you'll, maybe you can coax Tony Khan into some billionaire dick measuring contest and, uh, and, and, and he'll lose some money. Okay. But WWE is a publicly traded company. And I think we've talked about this. Nick Khan was probably like, what are you doing? We shouldn't be paying these Carl Anderson uh, millions of dollars. Uh, for what reason? Let them go. Just let him go. Right. We need we'll to find worry another about our guy. bottom line. We'll find another guy to replace him. He's not that important. And you know, and, and, that's, and, and that's something that Vince said today. And, and people are jumping all over that quote where he's like, you know, we're not really – I'm paraphrasing. He's like, we're really not concerned with them. Maybe we'll uh, provide them with some more talent down the line. And that's such an interesting thing for him to say because you can take it one of two ways. One – He's slighting them by saying they're using all of our former stars, right? Which isn't even the case. But you know how Vince is delusional and he might think that, okay? Or what he's saying is, oh, they can keep signing these people. It's I, I don't care for all the reasons that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay the big show millions of dollars to be a part-time wrestler and show up on Legends Nights. They can have them. I'm not paying Christian seven figures because he's Christian. And you know what? If they want CM Punk, they can have him too. I think that's what Vince meant by that. People are going to take it as, oh, yeah, Vince is saying, uh, you know, and he's right. Uh, it's all ex-WWE guys. Uh, you know, That's not what he's saying there. What he's saying is they can keep signing these people if they want. It's okay. We're not concerned. Yeah, I, I read it the same way you do. It doesn't matter. You know, they yeah. can sign whoever they want. It doesn't matter to us. Right. And he's right. <laughs> he's not wrong. Yeah, because they have investors to answer to, and I think it's more important for them to be fiscally responsible and put as much money as they can to those bottom lines for those dividends and to get that stock price up and everything else. That's more important than getting into a bidding war over fucking whoever I was going to say Andrade, but he was not a bidding war. He just got cut. Insert name here. Yeah. He's not going to get in a bidding war over Christian. Whereas 10 years ago, they would have. And quite honestly, I don't think they should be getting into bidding wars over fucking Christian. Or quite honestly, over Brian Danielson. Why? For the reason we just said. He's not going to make a difference for them. Right. He, he didn't and he won't. And he, uh, yeah, there's just not a the, – the, the company is not set up for guys like that to be valuable to them right now. There was a Nick Khan quote uh, that, that I'm reading right now uh, that he was talking about. It was, it was when they were talking about Ted Turner and they are talking about, you know, I don't see AEW's competition. Uh, Nick Khan says, it's sort of like a horse race where the horse has blinders on. You know? They're running right. in yeah. the same track, mm-hmm. sort of, but their horse only cares about winning and it doesn't really care – what horse is in second? What horse is in third? How close the other horse is? What a, this guy's a master. <laughs> we want to win. We're just going to win. We don't give two shits. The other horse can finish 10 seconds behind us, 20 seconds behind us, 30 seconds behind us. doesn't matter. We're getting ours. Right. Yep. We're going to win the race. That's all that matters. So we have to put yeah. these blinders on and only worry about what's ahead. We get the winner's purse. Yeah. That's all we're concerned mm-hmm. with. You can get that show money. We're getting that win money. That, yeah. That's yeah, a, what a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. We're in the same race, but we're wearing blinders. That is fucking brilliant. That's as brilliant as nobody gives a fuck that you're tired. That's just it's the same level of brilliant. And we compete with like, sleep. Yeah. We consider everything competition, including sleep. Don't tell people you're tired. No one gives a fuck that you're tired. You're just telling them you're weak. 
that was like I an eye opening quote to me. I never tell anyone I'm tired now. I've ne- I will never tell anyone I'm tired again because I think about that quote because he's so right. No one cares. If have, has anyone ever told you, oh, I'm so tired today, where, and you didn't think to yourself, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, you think, oh, man, let's talk about this and what we can do yeah, to improve. No one <laughs> exactly. I don't want to talk about your fucking how tired you are. No one cares. You know, it's such a point, on point. It's such a simple thing that I never thought about, but it's true. It makes you come off like a fucking dude. No one cares. I will never say that again. Big Dick Nick. There he is. Big Dick Nick, our guy, our boy. Uh, Big long Dick bone Nick, tone. So. <laughs> Big Dick Nick versus long bone tone. Right? The battle of the cons. The battle of the cons. All right. Uh, so that is uh, WBQ2. As I said, WrestleNomics will probably have a lot of coverage about that. Uh, Brandon Thurston, obviously, at Brandon Thurston, at WrestleNomics. Uh, WrestleNomics Radio on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network this week. I uh, will have plenty, plenty more about that. Let's uh, Let's get into some actual wrestling uh, as well, a lot of stuff happened over the last weekend that we wanted to touch on here. Uh, the first one I wanted to touch on, and you can see it from our, 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 our thumbnail on this video here, Matt Cardona versus Nick Gage at GCW Homecoming, uh, July 24th. We had talked about this uh, a few weeks back. Uh, we did not preview it last week, but uh, this was the big uh, match here where, where Matt Cardona's kind of been trolling uh, GCW, trolling kind of the hardcore wrestling fans or whatever. I've loved this gimmick so, or, or this entire angle so far. I think Matt Cardona's one of the perfect guys to do this for. On uh, him going up against Nick Gage, you know, the god of of, of GCW, the, the you know the the patron saint of GCW is just perfect. And uh, they had a match here at uh, at Homecoming over the weekend, and uh, it was uh, an interesting match. Uh, Joe, what did, what did you think of it? And then we'll kind of talk about the post-match and, and some other stuff as well. But what, what did you think of the structure of the match? What did you think of the actual match itself and, 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 and the entire story, I guess, now that it's at least partially wrapped up here, at least the Nick Gage, Matt Cardona portion of the story? I mean, like a lot of Nick Gage matches, it fucking sucked. But it was such a cool spectacle that you come away liking it. Um, it was an overbooked mess. But he has such... The thing about Nick Gage is he he has such an aura around him, particularly when he's wrestling in front of a GCW crowd. And um, he has so much of the right kind of charisma for that atmosphere that it doesn't, most of the time, it doesn't really matter whether, I mean, because I, I talked about this behind the paywall, but Nick Gage looks the part. He looks like a bad motherfucker. Nick Gage talks the part. You hear that guy talk and you're like, yep. Don't want to run into him. Yeah, that guy could kill me if he wanted to. So Yes, and probably wants to kill me and, and can do it. But then the bell rings and he moves like an 80-year-old man. Like th- there's nothing intimidating about watching him fight. Like when the match starts, you're like, I can kick that guy's ass with minimal effort. He can barely move. Um, I would take his fucking pizza cutter from him and just tackle him and hold him down until the cops came because he can't move. But it doesn't matter because he has such incredible charisma and aura that it just and, – and Cardona. I mean that spot where he did that dainty little swing of the light tube. Oh, he got it. He gets it so much. I love it. He gets it. It's brilliant. Like I'm such a polished television – WWE factory guy that I don't even know how to swing this thing. Yeah, if you it if you haven't seen perfect. the match and if you haven't seen the thing, so he he gets in there and and by the way when he enters the the crowd is just I mean he can't even get to the ring because the crowd just 
giving him middle fingers, booing him and all that sort of stuff. And the same thing for Nick Cage. Nick Cage comes out and like always, they just mosh around him. It takes him 20 minutes to get to the ring or whatever. It's just an incredible atmosphere. But then, yeah, so they start, they have a normal wrestling match for a second. Matt Cardona kind of trying to, 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 to play it up kind of normally. And then, yeah, Nick Cage brings some light tubes in and then Cardona goes, okay, I'm going to use this one. So he picks up one and he just kind of goes like, tap you know what i mean he just kind of with one hand he doesn't swing it he just kind of goes <laughs> just kind of beep almost and, like it scared him a little when right. it broke like he wasn't yeah. quite sure what was going to happen so he went oop and yeah. then the crowd goes fuck you you don't get it and it's so good and the announcers who are you know hit or miss but Dave Prezak was on and 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 he was good goes oh that baby he has no idea what he's doing <laughs> like you know it's just awesome it's yeah. so perfect yeah. which by the way no offense to Dave Prezak, but you couldn't pay me enough to work with Kevin Gill. Oh, my I would, God. I don't Kevin want to be Gil. associated with him. I would not even want to be associated with the guy. He yeah. is so brutally awful. And it's the worst. It's not good when uh, when when uh, Schlack, who, who might or may not be a Nazi, is not the worst person on the commentary booth. You know what I mean? There's a three-man booth. Yeah. One of them may or may not be a Nazi, and he's the second best guy in the booth. So that's... Does anyone like Kevin Gill, even the hardcore GCW? I'm man? not Does sure, but like he him? was real bad on this. So the problem with Kevin Gill is on this show, so you had a real announcer here in Dave Prezak who knows what he's doing or whatever yeah. and, and can call a great match. You had Schlack, who was kind of the comedy fodder or whatever. And then you had Kevin Gill, who I don't think knew what he was supposed to do. So instead, he just decided to make fun of Matt Cardona's wrestling figures the entire time. Over. And every, and, and every two seconds and going, hey, what do you, I think Matt Cardona probably puts those dolls up his ass. Yeah, fucking, fucking dork. What a fucking dork, his fucking dolls. And it's like, okay, we get it, man. We got it. Like, his pussy with his, with his dolls and his toys. <laughs> Dude, you, you said it 19 times. I know, like, we get it. He has dolls. It's okay. He like, filled every space of dead air with, you know, a, a really hacky yeah. fucking dolls are for dorks thing. And, you know, y- you want to get off a couple of those. I get it because it adds to the – but. I mean, he just had, he ran out of material. I mean, it's just it was really enough. But he's always that way. Like it's between that and you know telling people to suck his dick if they don't like the match that's happening, and he's just he's so off putting and bad. And I get that GCW is kind of like the best way I could put it. It's, it's dirtbag wrestling, and I mean that. I mean, I don't even think they take offense to that. That's the vibe they're going for, and it's like on one hand he kind of fits that aesthetic. On the other hand, he's just so over the top and cringe. That I really do think he just detracts from it. He's not, I don't know, he's not clever enough to pull it off without being crass. Is that the best way I can yeah, put it? Yeah, I, I think I so. And in this match in particular, this is this is one that you don't have to do a whole lot of work here. The story kind of tells itself. The story is obvious here. Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder, is here. He's uh, from the big leagues. He thinks this is beneath him or whatever. That's fine. That, uh, you, you get it right there. The crowd is doing that work for you. You don't have to... All you really have to say is, I can't believe this guy would be so, you know, I can't believe he'd say this shit or like, what? who's he to talk? He's fucking Zack Ryder and he's out here talking like he's a, you know, big time main eventer or whatever. Like, he doesn't know shit. Like, this, that's all you needed. It's all you needed. And it set the stage. But it's just, yeah, they, they did it a little too over the top. And it's it stunk because the match itself didn't need a whole lot. It, it really, the story had told itself. GCW did a great job telling the story as well. And it didn't, it didn't need the, you know, let me, let me talk about Matt Cardona putting dolls up his butt, you know, no, thing, Gabe- 15 times. Yeah. Gage knows who he is and understands what he has to do. Cardona is like you said before, he just he is owning this and he's he knows exactly what he needs to do. And the commentary, if anything, detracted and didn't. But that's the story with GCW every time out. So we're not exactly, you know, breaking new ground by burying Gill. But I mean, Cardona needed security to get to the ring and then um, worked it to perfection to his credit. 
I mean, he came out in the all white. And I'm like, up. Oh, he's all in. Yeah, he gets it. Show I, I, I did the exact same thing when when he came out and he was wearing white. I went. I just gave myself. I was like, yes, dude he's gets it. Bleed like a motherfucker. Yep. He hundred percent gets it because I was a little worried watching that when when the match was started when it was building up. I was wondering, well, man, how into this is Matt Cardona? Is you know because you always hear the stories or, or you know Dark Side of the Ring talked about it with David Arquette. Where Arquette was like, yeah, dude, I'm into it. And I was kind of just like, ooh, wait, hold on. Like, this is a lot. This is way more than I thought it was going to be. And I kind of wondered if Cardona would have that same thing or if he realized when he got there, all right, look, guys, I don't, you know, don't, don't do too much to me. Keep it kind of easy. But he walked out with white and I was like, he's going to fucking bleed like a pig. This is awesome. He gets it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and, and then he went out there and listen, he, he bled. He did it. He did oh, the yeah. thing. I mean, he, he had a death match. And give him credit. Same as Jericho this week on TV. I mean, they, they went out there and and they did Gage's match. And um, off the charts heat the whole way. They they did the angle where they teased Ricky Shane Page uh, turning on his boys and joining up with Gage. But that was a swerve. So uh, the RSP Gage thing, just uh, it's, you know, that we're going to continue on with that. Um, but at that point, that's where it was getting a little overbooked and messy. But their fans don't give a shit. No, it's a different kind of fan. They're there to get drunk. And they're there all- for entrances. They're there for some stunts. And they're there for the post-match to celebrate or to boo. That's that's most of the other yeah. stuff doesn't matter. The things that bother us about GCW don't bother any of these people that go to their shows. It's just, you know, and that's why. I've always said I commend them for their growth and their success, even if most of the time what they're presenting is not for me. I don't I don't like their shows. And I used to force myself to watch their shows and they I never thought the shows were good. I well, I shouldn't say never. They had a couple shows I thought were decent, but most of the time I come away thinking I just wasted two and a half, three hours of my life. I never liked these shows. There's usually maybe one hot angle or one match that I like. Now I don't watch their shows anymore. I'm not watching their fucking undercard. I, I will I will come in for a big main event like this. That's enough game changer for me. I that I get my fill. And I enjoyed this. I mean, how could you not? Like as a wrestling fan, you know, it, it doesn't have it's not great, but it's a de- you know it's a deathmatch coming in. So what you're looking for, and I'm not a big deathmatch guy, but if you give me that kind of heat. And a hot crowd like that, and a story that's working, I'm gonna find a way to appreciate it. Oh, absolutely! It was just—it so. was just like this week with, with with Gage and 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 Jericho. It's all about and and a great death match and a well built death match is all about the anticipation of stuff happening. The the matches that I there's a lot of death matches out there where the bell rings and guys just hit each other with shit and for ten minutes and who cares? You know what I mean? It's all about the is it gonna happen? And that that's people that get death match, people that understand. And people like Onita and, and people that were able to really make money with Deathmatch, uh, you know, Foley and Funk and those guys understood that it's all about the anticipation of something happening. It's all about the the nervousness of is this going to happen or is it not going to happen? And that's what you got with this Gage Cardona where they have a normal match. And then Cardona he, for five, ten minutes into the match, he hasn't taken one bump into anything. He's hitting Nick Gage with stuff. He's reversed and, and thrown Nick Gage into tables and into ladders and in, or into uh, into doors and into glass and into all that sort of stuff. And it was all about, man, is, is Cardona not going to take anything? Is he going to be okay? And then it's all about that one moment where Cardona is standing up and celebrating and Nick Gage gets up with the light tube and you go, oh, shit. He's going to get him this time. And he gets him. And he puts him through the glass. And he does that. So it's all about building up towards that anticipation. It was the same thing with Jericho, too. It was the exact same thing this week. And that is when Deathmatch Wrestling is good. 
I always say, that's just a great wrestling match in general, though. That just happens to have weapons, and it just happens to have deathmatch uh, aura and elements to it. And, and, and that, yeah, that is a big distinction, because a lot of deathmatches... Yeah, it's just bell rings and guys hit each other with shit. That's that does nothing for me, and it really does nothing for for you know long term storytelling. But st- something like this is just a great wrestling story done in this style and in this deathmatch style. And this one was all about the anticipation: will he or won't he? Will Cardona bleed? Will he get hit? How much is he going to bleed? All that sort of stuff. It was all about that. And once you got that, it it, it you know it kind of lost its luster about ten minutes in. Once Cardona was just getting destroyed. I kind of got bored of it. You know what I mean? Once Gage is just stabbing Cardona with, you know, light tubes or whatever, I kind of lose it a little bit. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, I I get it. I understand now what we're doing here. But that first 10 minutes was awesome because it was just the, ah, man, what's that first bump going to be? What is is Cardona really going to do here? Or is he going to find a way to kind of avoid or or, or not take any big bumps? And and I thought they did a really, really good job of telling that story over the last 10 minutes with Cardona really running the show uh, and and really having the structure there. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was really, really fun to watch, even if, yeah, the last 10 minutes and the last 15 minutes or whatever, uh, started to kind of bore me a little bit up until the the, the eventual actual finish there, where Maricardona pins Nick Gage uh, and wins the GCW Championship. And this was uh, must talk much talked about as well. Uh, Post match, uh, fans pelting the ring with empty bottles and trash and all that sort of stuff. And a little bit of controversy this week about that. Uh, wh- where do you land on this? Dave Meltzer saying that he heard that you know there were plants that were doing it. We were told point blank from multiple sources in GCW, people there, people involved in the company, all that sort of stuff, that that did not happen. That the empty bottles and trash and everything getting thrown in the ring was organic. It was not, you know, planted or or there wasn't this idea. Okay, when Cardona wins, everybody throwing everything in the ring. Like, where where do you stand on this now? You know, a week after the the event and and, and seeing it uh, play out. Well, they swear there there were no plants, and plants don't mean oh we're paying people to come do something. Plants could just be ring crew at right. Ringside hey guys, who, here here's here's some bottles. When when Cardona wins, you know, throw stuff in the ring, and then people and then start people after that. Yeah, it. right. I mean, that's you know what what that could mean too. I mean, I don't think Meltzer was implying that they paid people to be in the crowd to throw stuff. I think he was just saying the company itself kicked off all of that by starting the bottle throwing, which was to emulate the Ricky Shane page angle from a year earlier where they did the same thing or however long ago that was. Um, but you know, MLJ told us that that absolutely didn't happen. Joey Janela told us privately that that absolutely didn't happen. So what Rich is saying, like people in the company are like, it's absurd. If there were no plants, it was organic. And if that's the case, that's fine. I don't have a problem. I think that's good heat. I mean, I know someone could get hurt and all that. I understand that. Look, I don't have a problem with people who think it's lowbrow and shouldn't ever happen. I don't have a problem with that take because we have seen people get injured and people can get hurt, whether it's fans or people inside the ring. Um, the most famous example, you know, Parita Morgan, that's why he has fucking one eye. But it's like, wrestle. look, if you look at wrestlers, they all loved the reaction that he got universally. Oh yeah, well he loved it too. I mean, let, let me, yes. he was in the ring soaking it up too. You know, what I mean, he could have if he really felt like he was in danger, he rolls out of that ring immediately and, and and gets to the back. He's in there chanting and celebrating or whatever. He was eating it up. If you're a wrestler, you love that shit. Yeah, they love you know, but wrestlers are a different breed. You know, it's like, um, and and they're willing to risk injury for that kind of heat. But it, it, if it's a cool organic moment, I don't mind it. Even if I respect the opinion of people who are like, that's horrible and should never happen and it's not safe, that's fine. To me, if it's a one-off organic thing and there's no harm, no foul, then what's the problem? I thought it was cool you know, that he got that kind of reaction. And I came away from the match and the post-match thinking, man, 
and and allegedly it drew about 15 1600 fans so the angle drew money um i thought it was going to be a one off but about halfway through the match i was like cardona needs to win i'm watching this thinking he needs to fucking win and um and he did because it's like there's i was thinking there's more money in this <laughs> like you can't oh this yeah is a, this is this, this is such a, a smart idea such a smart idea if he's in and he's down to do this there you, there's a lot of money to be made here Yes. I'm like, if this is a one-off, it's a shame. But if you can only get the guy in for one match, it is what it sure, is. But I'm right, like, right. but I'm like, he needs to win though. Like, hopefully he's into this because there's definitely more money in another match here. If Cardona if that's what I'm thinking halfway through, I'm like, if Cardona wins, forget it. And then they did the RSP thing, and I'm like, oh well, he must be losing because they're transitioning to gauge RSP again. So I was surprised when Cardona then hit his fucking <laughs> dorky WWE finisher. <laughs> that another perfect thing too. Yeah, the fucking right. The, what, what the, I forget even what he calls it, and people are gonna comment yeah. or whatever. But it's it's such a dumb move, and it looks yeah. so. You don't realize how stupid it looks in like an actual pro wrestling ring and not a WWE ring. So when he's doing it, you're just like, what is he doing? <laughs> like, what a dumb move. But yeah, yeah, it's great. And, yeah, he just gets and, and it because he, he could have won with anything. He could have won with a power bomb, or he could have made up a new move. But it's just so good that he uses these. Yeah, something with the, a table. The, or a weapon, or no, he fucking wins it with his dorky the radio w- silence, the jumping leg lariats. Yeah, the radio silence. <laughs> yes, yeah. I love it. They played the WWE theme when he first came out. Yeah. Oh, radio, and everyone's like, they want to fucking kill him. I mean, so, and I thought Gage was going to kick out of that, and he didn't. And I was like, this is perfect because, you know, they're going to make so much. And then he gets pelted with the garbage, and you can't even get him out of there. And you're like, oh, wow, this is just, you know, you might have to get a fuck consider a bigger building for, for the mm-hmm. rematch. You know? and it's like, so no, the garbage throwing, I'm not anti an organic reaction. If they had plants there, it loses every bit of coolness it had to me. That sucks. Everything away. I, I no longer am interested. I no longer care because it's not organic anymore. To me, it's no different than TNA or WCW tapings in, in, in Disney where they hold up the yay and the boo signs. It's no different than Edge and Randy Orton having a match which is filmed like a movie where they can take breaks and redo spots. It's no longer real. You're subverting the art. And at that point, now I'm no longer interested. And now it really is just dangerous for no reason. If you are using plants, but we're told they didn't use plants. I have no reason not to believe MLJ or, or Joey Janela. If they're lying to us, they're lying to us. I don't think they are. Joey Janela has always been very forthright with us, has he not? I mean, uh, I absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think one. we've gotten BS by him once. So no, he's a he's a you know he's been good to us. He's a good guy, and and I don't, I, you know, so I will take them at their word that there were no uh, plants throwing the bottles. Um. So to me, that's that. We'd be having a very different conversation if there were plants and it was exposed that there were plants. Because I do think that's, I think that's bullshit. And at that point, to me, if the if the uh, reactions are or forced or led by the promotion, now they're not real, and now I'm not interested. Right, which we we had some discussions with people that I, I think come at it from a different angle and would say, well, all of wrestling is you know you're leading people to reactions, but but you and I, I, I and I think we're on the exact same wavelength there. I completely just I I think 
it's all about getting to that story and then letting the audience kind of take it from there. That that you've done a great job of building the story. You've done a great job of building this up. Now it's up to the audience to kind of take it that last little bit, take it home, do whatever it is. I mean, your job is done now. You've built up the story. You've had the match. You've booked it the certain way. That's I mean that that that's the art of wrestling is okay. Now let's see what happened. Let what organically can happen. Like you said, it's no different than walking to a worldwide and, and a big boo sign comes up and then you go boo and a big cheer sign goes up and you go yeah like it's yeah it's, because if you have twenty employees throw bottles and then fans follow their lead, that's not real. Right. That that, that then fans I don't know. Do I don't know if they would have done that because people say well they would have done it anyway. Well I don't know if they would have done it that. anyway. Yeah right. And that that's the whole. That's the thing where it gets it. Whereas, yeah, if it happened organically, then it's awesome. Then you've done a great job. You've you've built it up to where the audience is upset enough or or, or, or feels that visceral reaction that they do that, and that's cool. It's so much cooler if you don't have to, you know five guys start it by throwing bottles in the ring. It just it loses a lot of its cool factor. And like you said, it subverts the art. The art of wrestling is is not literally giving the crowd you know uh, the, the direction, the cue, or whatever. Cue. Yeah. That's... It's 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 telling them to throw bottles is no different than telling them to yay or boo. Yeah, it's right. not different to me just because one is physical and one isn't. Um, and we had a long conversation with a, a a main event major league wrestler. Is that a fair description? That is a very fair description. Yes, we had a long private conversation with a main event level major league wrestler on this topic, and it can get very meta because on one hand. All of pro wrestling is manipulating emotion and reaction, right? So isn't having plants or, or you know, let's work – if there were plants, isn't that the same? But to me, it's not because to me, the actions and the words and the mannerisms of the performer in the ring should be what's driving any kind of reaction. If the promotion is doing it in any other way piped in booze and cheers to kind of nudge you in that direction. Like WWE does right now. Bianca Belair isn't getting good reactions. So they're pumping in cheers to try to get people to cheer more. That's bullshit. She's not over. If she was over, you wouldn't need to do that. Right? If the angle was hot enough for people to throw bottles, they're going to throw bottles. You leading them on to throw bottles is not the same. It cheapens it. So, and again, I'm not saying that they did that. I'll take them at their word. But it becomes a very meta conversation because on one hand, is is it okay to get the reaction you want by any means necessary? Or do you have to get it the quote unquote hard way? To me, I am no longer interested in a product. It, It makes me less interested and in some cases not interested at all if you're leading the crowd on with outside means if it's not just the performance in the ring that's deriving those emotions and those reactions i am no longer interested now you're just a a tv show with a studio audience that's being told what to do and to me that's not interesting at all i think you kind of agree but i don't know if i yeah yeah, no No, i I think you got it i I think you totally got it especially in in pro wrestling i think it's it's it just comes across a lot worse, and I think people, a lot of wrestling fans understand, like deep, deep, deep wrestling fans understand that that that's one of the fun parts of going to a wrestling show is 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 sitting down and 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 being taken on that ride by the wrestlers, by the in ring action, by the story, by that sort of stuff. 
it loses so much luster if before a match comes out, the you know the promotion comes out and goes, okay, guys, this is a big match, so let's cheer for this guy. Let's put you know, it, it, very famously, you know, Impact did that, did that thing where or back in the TNA days where they sat everybody down in the Impact Zone and said, all right, guys, we need you to start being allies of Impact. Remember that whole thing? I think we covered it on the on the flagship as well, where they sat everybody down and said, okay, we need guys, we need you guys to start yeah. cheering more and 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 you're booing the stuff that we're trying to make good and we're and the Impact Zone was never the same again. And, 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 you know, nobody defended Impact. No, no, never. They said, what are you guys doing? You're out of your minds. Yeah. So it's it's the exact same thing at that standpoint. Being told, telling the audience, this is how we want you to react. That is not the art of pro wrestling. No. Manipulating the audience into reacting a certain way, that is wrestling. Correct. Telling them, no. Manipulating, yes. That is the art of it. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. So that's kind of where we are in that. But, um. You know, you know they they swear there weren't any plans. So I could totally see that reaction being organic and and visceral and everything. I could see that being a natural reaction of the people there. Sure. Um, but it is pro wrestling, so I could totally see a promotion, <laughs> sure, manipulating to force that reaction. And I don't like, I don't like putting out the T-shirt. I think that's now. Look, they're going to make a lot of money on the T-shirt, and people are going to buy the T-shirt of the Meltzer tweet saying that he doesn't like the bottles being thrown. Um, but to me now, okay, come on. You're getting real tacky with it now. You know, you want to sell your T-shirt, go ahead. But I think that's tacky. Yeah, be, be proud of your angle. Um, Don't start doing this tacky bullshit. You, yeah, you, you, I mean, you just had a really cool angle, a really awesome thing. Just own that. Own that. The, 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 the fucking let's obsess over Melter industry. Can we just stop? stop. He's allowed God. to have an opinion. He's allowed to think that it's trashy to throw bottles God. in a ring. I mean, because it... it you're allowed to have that opinion. Sure. Now he did go a step further the next day on audio and say he said there were plants. I don't know why he said that. Maybe he still thinks there's plants. Maybe someone told him there were plants. Maybe it's just 40 years covering wrestling and he doesn't believe anything's real. I don't know why he said that. And if you didn't have plants, you have a right to be upset with him for telling people that there were plants. I get that. But He's allowed to think that it's shitty to fucking pelt the ring with bottles. I, he's allowed to th- – anyone's allowed to think that. This isn't one of those things where – now, I, again, I'm okay with it, but I'm also okay with someone thinking that that's dangerous and stupid. Here's the problem. What you don't want to do is coerce your audience into making this a regular thing because – you know, again, if it happens organically one time, you know, the NWO or this or any other example you can think of, it's fine. If no one gets hurt, you know, it's fine. But you can't what, – what they're in danger of running into now is if you make Meltzer your enemy and you make this a rallying cry that, you know, we're going to throw th- – then – most people in this world are stupid and you run the risk of them wanting to shove it up Meltzer's ass every night by throwing shit into the ring on all of your shit. And you right, right. It's, you don't it's, want it's, this it's, to get out of control. No. You know, nobody wants that and you shouldn't want that. And by selling these t-shirts and everything, to me, you might be kind of encouraging that. Whereas the best way to handle this would have been to ignore him when he said he didn't like it because he's entitled to that opinion. And just defend yourself in a classy way when he said you had plants there if you really didn't have plants there. But 
I don't know. It's game changer. I, it, it, they're like the Hooters of wrestling. They have no interest in being classy. You know, the Hooters um, slogan for years was delightfully tacky and proud of it. Like that was their whole gimmick. It was we're tacky. You know, if you don't like it, don't come here. That's kind of what GCW is. They're just they're tacky. You know, and and you know, it's it's I don't know. I, that kind of rubs me the wrong way, though. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good, and Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. 
Noom.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's just unnecessary. They, yeah, they, they really just don't need to do it. But uh, So you did not watch the undercard, so I, I will not talk to you about Marco Stunt and Starboy Charlie or this, this undercard. I was really hoping you didn't watch the undercard because it looks pretty... Uh, yeah, does not look good. I'm the same way it's as you. That, I, I'll that, check that, in with the main event. It's not my style. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It, 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 they, they sell tickets, whatever. It's good. I'm, I'm good. I don't need to see Too Cold Scorpio and Grim Reefer <laughs> wrestle. So, uh, I'm fine. All actually, right. I may, I'm, actually, I might go back. <laughs> yeah, did, you didn't know. You know, Scorpio was on the show, did you? I didn't know Grim Reefer was on the show. I've. Oh, that's your I've boy. Seen, I forget you're a Grim Reefer guy. Yeah. I've had enough of Too Cold. If I'm being honest, he's. Yeah, we're starting. The joke's kind of done now. It's Rand's cool. It's so. look. I don't know. Do I want to go down this route? Look, <laughs> he's not who he was. Okay, stop <laughs> pretending. He he still look. He can still do some of his stuff, and it's it was fun the first couple times. But this idea that too cold is still some kind of he's no, he's not. Right. It, it's it's he's he's very you know he's very good at being an old version of too cold Scorpio. How's that for polite? <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. That will that'll work there. Um, let's let's get to New Japan here uh, real quickly. I've got about a half an hour left in the show. Here. I love Nicole Scorpio. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. All time. One of the all time favorites. But yeah, at a certain point, it's it's not the same, and it's it, it loses. Listen, I don't want to watch Johnny Bench step into the plate for the ring. <laughs> right. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. I just that's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. uh, Wrestle Grand Slam from the Tokyo Dome, a uh, partial Tokyo Dome, a weird Tokyo Dome. What what would you make of the atmosphere of this uh, this show? I I you've been very you know obviously I've been very very down on Clap Crowd New Japan as of late. It's been almost impossible for me to watch shows. Uh, for some reason, the atmosphere didn't hurt me on this one nearly as much. But but what did it do for you for a, a Tokyo Dome with all the lights on, nobody in any of the other upper decks, and and just kind of a, a strange setup here. Uh, for Wrestle Grand Slam, did it did it hurt or help the show in any way for you? Oh my God, come on, obviously it sucked. <laughs> it was, um, I for some reason I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. It wasn't good, but but it wasn't as bad as I thought some of their other stuff had been. So. Giant cavernous building with five thousand people spread out all over the place. And um, how about these poor saps who bought tickets and got stuck behind the baseball net? What kind of? I mean, geez, and I'm sure because of COVID, they they you weren't free to move around, <laughs> right? They're probably like, "Hey, can I move?" And they're like, "No, no, we can't." Yeah. Nope, you nope, you got to stay separated. Like, can they? Could they lower that fucking baseball net for the night? I mean, geez, I would have hated that. Rich, when I go to baseball games, I refuse to sit behind the net. I can't stand it. I know some people say they can't tell or it doesn't matter. I cannot get the fucking net out of my head when I'm watching through the net. I can't stand that shit. So that would have really bothered me if I bought a ticket. And I was stuck behind that baseball net, but um, but no, the atmosphere sucked. It was like they were in a giant fucking warehouse, and um, you know, it's a fake dome show. But look, we all know why they're doing these things. They're running these giant buildings to sell as many tickets as they can. They don't want to sell three hundred tickets in Cork and Hall. They want to sell five thousand tickets in the Tokyo Dome. So you know, that's five thousand tickets worth of revenue. It's a bigger gate. So um, we've we've talked this to death, but this does this. I, you know, in my mind, this is not like a real Tokyo Dome show. It's a fake Tokyo Dome show. It's a fake show. Um, but, you know, I, I thought most of the match, you know, I liked most of the card, though. I so. thought it was good. I thought it was actually, it, yeah. it, it reinvigorated my, uh, my my New Japan viewing because I thought this was a really good show uh, top to bottom. There was the Rambo, which um, it's 35 minutes of my life that I will never get you back, unfortunately. Oh, you sat through it, huh? I did. 
Even with all those warnings, you still sat through it. I still sat through it, yeah. It was horrendous. It was horrible. It was so bad, just... the handcuffs. I figured I, I, ha- I mean, I should just do it. And I don't know how they make this show, I don't know how they make this match so long. I don't understand. It just, why are the intervals so long? I, I don't get it. <laughs> Nothing ever happens. The intervals take forever. It, there, it's, it's, it's remarkable, but, uh, I watched it, but there's nothing more to say about that. But everything else, I, literally everything else on the show, I enjoyed. Because then you got the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title match. Uh, Phantasmo and Ishimori uh, versus the Mega Coaches, Rocky Romero and Rusuke Taguchi. I think, this is, I think this might be my second favorite match on the entire show. I thought this was really good work. I thought Phantasmo and Ishimori were great in this. And I thought Romero and Taguchi just playing like the mega baby faces and just like just all these hope spots and all these hot tags and stuff. I thought this was tremendous work by both of these teams. What did you think of this one? I thought it was a good match. Um, I think Phantasmo is, you know, way better than people give him credit for. Um, you know, mega coaches have always been a solid team. It was just fresh, at least. It wasn't the same old teams as usual. And yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a. I thought it was a good match. I, I didn't. I thought all five matches were at minimum pretty good matches. Even the one yes. that people think that I'm going to bury, but I'm going to, you know. <laughs> Anyway, we'll get to that match. But yeah, no, this was fine. It was probably I don't think I'm as high as it as you are. I definitely thought it may have been five out of five. No better than the fourth best match on the show to me. But everything on the show was pretty good, so it was fine. Uh, I'm sure this was a Joe Lanza match, and I I hope I'm gonna be true with this assessment. Robbie Eagles, El Desperado. Robbie Eagles gets the win, defeats El Desperado. Uh, to win the junior heavyweight tag team title match. I thought this was tremendous work as well. Both guys just selling body parts like crazy. You know, innovative offense. Like, both these guys are just incredible at innovative offense. I thought this was really damn good. They went 20 minutes. I didn't think it went any longer than it needed to go. I think it was just the right amount of length of time. And a good win for Robbie Eagles. I thought Desperado was 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 very good in this match. He's usually pretty good. This I thought was very, very good, uh, uh, El Desperado. And Robbie Eagles, I think, is tremendous as well. I, I thought this was a tremendous match here. Yeah, it's a great match. This was... um. I don't think Despies had a had a great title run, but he went out on a high note here. And Eagles was out of this world good in this match. I mean, if you are a limb selling fetishist, this match is for you because you will you is you will not see many limb selling performances better than what Eagles put forth here. I mean, selling that leg. He was so good. Um and Eagles always is a very good wrestler when it comes to telling an in-ring story and, and, and psychology within the match and whatnot. So this was right up his alley and Desperado is a very good wrestler. So, you know, there were, there were two notable things about this match. Number one was Robbie Eagle's selling was just off the charts. Great. Um, one of the best selling performances you'll see of the year. And the other thing was Despy at the end of the match, fighting that Ron Miller special and, and, teasing the yes. tap and all of that. Yeah. He was so good in the final 30 seconds or so of this match. So And the crowd so um, badly wanted to yell and scream. You could hear like a few people yeah. do it as well. Like they were like, "Ah, COVID, fuck. I just want to do it though." Yeah, it was yeah, great work by Desperado there. Yeah. I, so yeah, I I love this match and um feel good for Robbie Eagles. I don't know I watched in real time. Maybe you saw later when you checked because I'm sure you were asleep. But I think every wrestler in Australia 
was excited for this guy when when he won the match. I mean, so you could tell that everybody loves him and he's a, he's a likable guy. Um, because you know, just you know, you just get tweets all over the place from everyone in Australia about how proud they were of him and all of that. Um, Unfortunately, I think they got about two weeks to be proud. And I, think gonna, I think that's going to end. But hey, you know what? You know what? Let's talk about that. I think he should beat Hiromu. I, I think so, why. too. I, I think he should. I don't think he will. But I'm with you. That's where they were going before all, the shit hit the fan. Before injury and, and all that shit. If you remember, they were building to a feud between those two. And Eagles beat him in the tag, I think. This has got to be going back almost two years now. But... I think they're just redoing that shit. So I would not be surprised at all if Eagles beats them. If this were any other time in, in Pearl history, Eagles is winning. Because yes. you come back from an injury, you lose. New Japan has kind of broken those rules. Not entirely, but they don't operate by the old school Pearl rules as much as they used to. But I really feel like it's a better story. If Eagles wins that match and they make Hiromu climb back to the top, I agree. I'm 100% with you. Yeah. So, I I mean, and I I, I don't think that it's a lock that Hiromu's winning that match. And I I really do think it's a better story if he doesn't. Uh, Move on to a few of the other matches here Okada versus Cobb, uh, 19 minutes, 23 seconds. Okada getting the uh, the, the roll up or the kind of the out of nowhere finish, I'd say. Not not necessarily a roll up, but kind of a counter, uh, a, a hook of both legs, one, two, three. Uh, Jeff Cobb gets up immediately, kind of has that surprise look on his head, like, God damn it, I got caught here. Uh, what'd you think of that finish? And, and what'd you think of this match as well? I, I thought this was good, but I saw, I, I think a lot of people liked it a little bit more than I did. I thought Cobb looked good. Uh, I thought Okada did a good job of making Cobb look good, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I liked it nearly as much as some other people did. Oh, I love this match. I thought it was great. Well, the, the floor is yours then. Go ahead. I love the finish too because that's the sit-down clutch he used on Omega yep. in the second, and it's the sit-down clutch he used on Jericho. Um, so this is this is when this is he used this finish you know about once a year to to pick up a win on on a guy, and it's such a smart finish because it protects the guy you're beating to some extent too because. He yeah he won the match fair and square and he won it clean, but he didn't rainmaker Jeff Cobb in the center of the ring and Jeff Cobb still has a legitimate gripe. He's like, all right, you got me, but you didn't really get me, you know. So it 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 gives reason to keep it going and they are having another match. So from that perspective, I thought the finish was great. Um, I thought the work here. I mean, this was this was just you know this is one of them ham slappers. This was you know. Two big guys, and Okada's big by the standards of this company, and Cobb is big by any standard on earth, just slapping the shit out of each other. It was meat slapping together, and Okada working a style that he doesn't typically work. I mean, this was hard hitting, and it was, it was, uh, it was a meat fest. And, you know, I, I liked it a lot. I mean, I, I thought it was, uh, you know, it could have been the second or third best match on the show for sure. I mean, and, and, and you know, and and again, worked to the perfect length, unlike the one we're about to talk about. You know, it didn't overstay its welcome. It ended when it should have ended. Um, and I'm looking forward to the rematch because I think they left plenty on the table. Uh, let's get to that match here. Dangerous Techers, Taichi, and, and Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Sonata and Naito. 37 minutes and 58 seconds. Uh, with that said, I this is probably my favorite match between these two. Uh, I think it did well to build off of the prior matches that they had. There was a lot of points where it was exciting. It didn't feel there's, there's some dangerous techers matches that go 25 minutes and feel like they're 45. 
This one, I mean, it felt like it was a 40-minute match, no doubt about it. It felt like a 30-40 minute match, but there was enough stuff that I enjoyed in it where, where it didn't feel like an absolute slog like some of these matches do uh, feel. Yeah, go ahead. Because they actually told a story in this one, and it wasn't just a tornado tag for 25 minutes with just guys taking turns yeah. doing shit to each other. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. This this blew away. To me, it blew away any of the prior matches they had. Because the other prior matches, like you said, your eyes kind of glaze over after about 15 minutes thinking, it's okay. the same shit over right. and over. Just get to it already. You know, this was working over Zack Sabre Jr.'s fucking body part. And... Then Zach kind of escaping, very similar to the Okada finish, I guess, but not really because Okada didn't get beaten up the entire match. He just caught Cobb. Whereas here, um, you know, Saber survived by the skin of his teeth after he got his ass kicked the entire match. But, you know, there was a, it just didn't need to be this long. You could have told the same story in literally half the time. Why did this have, this did have no reason to go 40 minutes? I mean, come on. If you're worried about the, you know, five match shows and adding length, just put the fucking Rambo on the show then. Don't put it on the pre-show. If you're so concerned about that, add a sixth match that's six minutes long with a young lion. Okay, because I'm I'm so tired of these matches overstaying their welcome, especially in the COVID environment. I mean, it's just, you know, the work here was good and the story here was good. It's just they had to stretch it out Mm -hmm. because they feel like they have to. And, and I'm just so tired of it. And, it. and it hurts a match like this. Yeah, I always wonder if fans in the building really agree. Because I, I, the idea is, okay, well, we're only giving them five matches or whatever and all this sort of stuff. And would the fans really care that much if, they, if, the, if the show went an hour and a half? Like, I, I really don't know if they would. But I, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a value thing. It's also a New Japan thing, too. They, they have this idea that, like, big-time matches, big-time title matches need to go long too they they just they they're forced themselves into hey it's an important match so it's got to go 30 plus minutes and it just doesn't it just does not always have to uh and especially in this COVID era they've just gotten ridiculous with this like we said junior title match 20 minutes you know uh or junior tag team title match 20 minutes junior heavyweight title match 20 minutes okada Cobb, 20 minutes this one almost 40 minutes and then our main event almost exactly the same amount of length of time as well uh, 37-26, Shingo Takagi defeating uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi to retain the uh, the world heavyweight title. Uh, again, I, I like this a lot. It's just I just don't think it needed to go 40 minutes. And I feel like a broken record saying that, but it just it, it makes these shows such a slog. And it sucks because it's Shingo and Tanahashi, and they're great. And this one was great. It was fantastic. Shingo's so good. Tanahashi's still great. It's just, yeah, you're just looking at your watch going, man, how much longer is this thing going to go on for? It, it, it's... It sucks. I, I hate that that's all I think about when these matches happen. And maybe with a hot crowd, you wouldn't have thought it, but you're not getting a hot crowd. You can't have a hot crowd. So, I mean, I'm not someone who has come on here historically and bashed. I mean, I've defended New Japan matches that people have called egregiously long by saying, no, I don't know. Hold on now. I think they filled the time well. But it's so much harder to fill that time when the crowd can't cheer. It's just you're asking way too much and if we learned anything with the covid with the no crowds especially the best way to fill the time with no fans is if you're just gonna work extra stiff and beat the living shit out of each other um if if you insist on going long i mean the best way is just to go out there and have a neat and tidy match and just keep it moving but if you insist on going long or whatever it's you really gotta like the best matches to me were the ones where people really beat the shit out of each other. Noah had a bunch of matches like that in front of no fan. The, the Goshi Ozaki reign, you know, is a, is a good example. You know, 
but it, it's just it's too hard, even for the greats. And um, this was a great match, though. But yeah, could they have shaved time off of this? Absolutely. I mean, come on, even shaving five minutes off of each of these matches, you're still going over 30. You're not robbing anybody of anything. And it's 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 easier to tell your story, particularly when you can't peak the crowd, uh, you know, and it, it, with uh, with vocal reactions. So, yeah, it did take away a little bit uh, from this bout, but I still thought it was really great. I didn't think it was match at your level. No, no, no. But um, I did think it was a great match, and and you know, a notch below match at your level, though. But. Yeah, we're, clothing we're, stress was really crazy. It I was mean, really we, good. Yeah, it, it was really good. And I think, unfortunately, I've reached a point where I don't know that any New Japan match for the rest of this year, no matter how good it's going to be, is going to be match of the year level to me because I'm able to watch, you know, wrestling in with, you know, back when everybody was wrestling in front of no crowds, it was kind of an even playing field. But now it's just like so hard to consider these matches like great, great, great matches where, where again, I liked the rest of the show. I thought the show was very good. And I really, like I said, it reinvigorated, you know, New Japan for me. But yeah, like this match, I, I totally understand how in any other year or any other circumstance, I probably think this is like so good. So, you know, just incredible, incredible stuff. But it's just, yeah, there's just some we're getting along the tube talking about it, but it's just, yeah, it, it, it yeah, it's, it's look, look, it sucks. They, it sucks. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's not, it's not anyone's fault. It's just, yeah, it's fucking, they it feel sucks. obligated to go this long. And it's just, I, I can't call it a match year contender. Cause it didn't grip me from start to finish. It, it's it. The closing stretch though was really great. And the uh, Tanahashi doing the Kamagoye was a really nice touch. I thought that was a really cool spot that he tried to finish off Shingo with the move of the guy whose place he was taking in the match, who's also his former tag team partner, by the way. So his little nod to Ibushi was cool. And, um, you know, they did end up having a great match. But, um, you know, you wonder about Ibushi now. I mean, we're, you know, we're told that he really wanted to work the match and, and he would have worked it, but the doctors wouldn't allow it. So you see what happens moving forward with him. But he's had a lot of weird, and scary medical stuff. Uh, this year, yeah, his thing. We'll, we'll we'll definitely have to tell with uh, you know where 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 he is announced on these other shows, and if he is announced on these other shows, because yeah, we're told that he's you know wants to wrestle. The doctors say no, but you know, so far we don't know when he's coming back, which is uh, it, it, you know kind of a you know a little bit of an interesting note there. But uh, the MetLife Dome, uh, the the next Wrestle Grand Slam happening, I will preview it a little bit more when we get the entire card, but. Uh, you did not see the end of uh, Shingo Takagi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Oh, dear God. Evil came out and attacked Shingo. We're doing Shingo versus Evil World Heavyweight Championship match. Main eventing the MetLife, the former Seibu Dome. Um, again, it's not a real Seibu Dome show. But, man, <laughs> I don't want to see Shingo versus Evil. I hope when COVID <laughs> is finally truly behind us that they keep running all these big domes and stuff because... I think that'll be cool as hell. It's just I don't give a fuck. There's no prestige involved to me at all with these kind of with these shows. Yeah. So so you got to get it out of your head because I've seen a lot of people go like evil Sabu Dome and it's like that's not a real Sabu Dome. It's, yeah, like, it's they not can the real sell Tokyo the Dome. fucking four thousand tickets or whatever with their eyes closed. It's not. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, they're not. They're not real. Um, but uh, that is the main event. Uh, I God, that thing's gonna go forty minutes, isn't it? Yeah, with Garut wires. <laughs> so get ready for that. I gotta be honest. I kind of liked. I liked Evil Ishii a lot. And it's funny because like no one else did. Like I think on Cage Match it's, it has like a 3. <laughs> but like 
it's weird because I watched that with the sound completely off, and I, it's like I like. I thought it was like, look, it, it had all the same problems every evil match had, but had less of it. And I thought it was okay. I mean, I thought it was borderline notebook, honestly. But I am definitely not looking forward to evil versus Shingo. I want no part of that. I want no part of evil. Really, ten percent filled Cebu Dome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, God, but I guess it's a filler defense. I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, if Evil were ever to win that, it's like, oh, don't, don't, don't talk that into no, please no. I can't. I can't. I just can't. I can't do the discourse. I can't watch the matches. I'm just we're 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 gonna have to. And we're getting the third Techers versus LIJ, but they're of course we are. Of course, no, but no, it's a three way. But they're adding Goto and um and Yoshihashi, Yoshihashi. yeah, which doesn't make it any better. (laughs) Unfortunately, doesn't help too much, but (laughs) it doesn't help at all. I don't still have no interest. Um, so all right, New Japan, everybody. There you go. Oh, and Robbie Eagles versus Romo, as we mentioned as well. So that should be pretty good, though. That's gonna be great. I mean. You know, I mean, I know Hiromu's just getting back, but I have full faith. Oh, no, dude. He, the first, we always say when Hiromu, when he came back from his neck injury, remember the first spot he did? He knocked the guy down and did the fucking, <laughs> the cannonball into the corner. Like, he's going to do that again. I, I don't think you ever get half-speed Hiromu. You, you know, I think he comes back when he knows he's 100% ready to go. And, That's and when he, Eagles, didn't Eagles beat him in that match? Uh, Yeah, yeah, right. When he came back the first time from mm-hmm. injury? I'm telling you, they're going to repeat that. I hope they should. That's the better story to tell. Absolutely. I, I think Toromo needs to kind of get humbled in that sense and go, oh, crap. Okay. I got to work myself back up and, and, and give Rob Eagles a little bit of a run. It'll establish him a little bit more and it'll make it that much more important because these two are going to have great matches. And, and, and yeah, it, it'd be, it, I'd be all in favor of them, you know, having this match. Eagles gets the win. Toromo's kind of, kind of have to build himself back up. And, and, and yeah, in, in a couple months, Toromo could beat him and, and go on to Wrestle Kingdom as the champion or whatever, or beat him at Wrestle Kingdom or whatever you want to do. But yeah, right now, I, I don't see any reason to switch it. To I think COVID, COVID fucked up their program, whatever they were going to do. Yeah. Because they didn't they didn't wrestle again after that, did they? I could be. This is a long time ago. No, I think Eagles was gone. I mean, uh, yeah, because Eagles, I think, went back and then he was never able to get back. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think that was late 2019. And then I don't. Yeah, obviously, with 2020, he wasn't really able to be there that often. So. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a goof. I'm going to pull it up. Let's yeah, see. figure it out before we uh, before we move on. Well, they wrestled in the COVID um, Super Juniors. All oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. That they oh, but when Eagles beat Hiromu in the tag match, they were clearly setting something up. That didn't happen because of COVID. Because they never had a singles match after that. Until Super Juniors. And by then, with COVID and everything, who knows what what the... the, I I think they had a program planned, and this is their chance to do it now. Right, right, right. Because, yeah, and and if you saw, they were frequently against each other. I'm looking at it as well. You know, February of 2020, frequently against each other. And then, yeah, obviously, it it all goes away, and then they don't do anything until November of 2020, the best of the Super Juniors, like you said. So, yeah, it... It felt like something was happening there, but who knows? But by November, whatever booking plans were set for anything, were oh, all just ready. yeah, all gone, all ripped up and thrown in the garbage with you know everything that was uh, that was going on. Why do I? That was. I do remember that match. 
that was a really great match, if I recall. That that Hiromu and Robbie Eagles and the Super Juniors. Um. So yeah, I think they're gonna. That's pretty much a lock for a great match. Yeah. Oh no, it's gonna be tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's uh, move on to a few other topics here as we have uh, about uh, about 15 minutes left to go here. Uh, MLW's Battle Riot 3. So this was up on uh, ML, uh, MLW's YouTube channel as well. It's a 41-man Battle Riot match, essentially just a Royal Rumble with pinfalls. Uh, this The YouTube video had a few clips before. It had a few little intros and, and, and stuff like that. But essentially the, the, the clip is the Battle Riot match. Uh, you do have some Dario Cueto or whatever the hell. What is he called in, in MLW? He is... The fuck is his name? I don't know his name. It's Darren Quaid. Yeah, it's Darren Quaid. But he was good. He was. He good was great. Oh, he comes out and says, "Oh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, you know." Uh, he starts setting it up a little bit, and then he cuts kind of like a little bit of a heel promo, and the fans start kind of booing him a little bit. And he goes, "Oh, I thought this was a big wrestling town or whatever." And they go boo, and he goes, "I can't hear you. I thought this was a big wrestling town." Then they go, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome." So you yeah, get the crowd just yeah. going nuts for it. Yeah, they thought he was bur- He, they thought he was burying them, but no, no, no. He's I'm on. I just want you guys to start cheering, you assholes. And then everybody just starts going, "Yeah." <laughs> it was, it was pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, Daryl Quito came out there, gets gets the crowd ready, uh, and then we get our battle riot match. And this is on YouTube as well, free on YouTube. Well, I liked uh, when he snatched the mic from Jordan Oliver, and then Myron <laughs> Reed took it from him, and then he, and then Myron Reed said what he had to say, and then Quito goes, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was such a great line. Who the fuck are you? He's like, you guys, I, I hope you know who you're interrupting. <laughs> He's like, you know, so that, that was, that was a good line, but they set up a, uh, injustice versus, uh, uh, Conan came out with slice. LAX. Boogie. Yeah. Slice the new Boogie LAX, the new LAX. Yeah. It's like 19 LAX generation, 19 LAX now that we're on <laughs> yeah, with Julius smokes, but, uh, Danny limelight. That's <laughs> <yeah>. slice boogie. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm into the it. slice boogie. He does a nice job. <laughs> Julius smokes. Yeah. When I think Latin American exchange, I think Julius smokes for sure. So that's... Yeah. I will never forget uh, Big Cass coming out at WrestleMania weekend as a big surprise on one of those midnight shows. And Julius smokes on commentary goes, is that test? Who's <laughs> been dead for 15 dead for 15 years? years. Yeah. Thought it was test. Oh, Julius smokes. That was on the, uh, the uh, VXS show. The uh, Lucid, yes. Lucid Dreams, which indeed that show is indeed a lucid dream, but uh, uh, I, this was on for free on YouTube. You can still find it as well if you want to watch this. Uh, but but it is noted by Court Bauer this week, which I who knows with Court and MLW. But he says, "quote ML days on U- MLW's days on YouTube are coming to an end. I look forward to sharing more soon. And don't worry, it's good news." Cesar Duran. Yeah, Cesar Duran. Yes. Uh, but then we had the battle riot, and Joe, this they, like they were booking it for you. The first four men out. Did, how about you? How about you do it? Because these are just this is the Joe Lanza special here. These first four guys that came out. Oh, yep, start off with Davy and his abs. Yeah. Filthy Tom. Yeah, Filthy Tom and, Waller. Uh, TJP. Yep. Lee Moriarty. And then the match goes to shit. Yeah, but, and then unfortunately a lot of other guys. But hey. Um. How come when they did the thing where they were picking the fucking balls out of the container? Did you watch any of that? Uh, I did watch a little bit of that. I watched a little bit and then decided to start skipping. But So Lawler picks his egg out of the container. Him and Koo, right? And I don't even think Koo ended up in the match. Like, was Koo even in the match? 
I uh, he was. He was. No, he was. It was hard. There's 41 men and had a lot. They, they yeah. did a lot of like 30 guys in the ring at one time type things. Who was oh, in the Oh, yeah, match. they did. Nobody got eliminated. Nobody like ever got out. eliminated. In this so anyway, Lawler goes into it and picks out his egg and he opens it up and it clearly has the number 25 on it. But he acted like he was mad at the number. Like he's like, oh, well, this is good for a first try. Let me get another ball. And then fucking Atoot was like, no, you only get one ball. Like they did a bit. You know yeah. what I mean? But the, the fucking paper said 25. First of all, why aren't they gimmicked? Why, does, why do any of them have real papers with real numbers on them? That's question number one. Number two, like we can see the 25 like through the paper. And then he comes out at number two. So, um, I don't know. That was fucked up and sloppy. They really should have reshot that with a blank piece of paper that yeah, didn't say for, for, 25 for sure. on it. Um, but anyway, he was number two. And then, I don't know. What about Beast Man? What would you think of Beast Man? <laughs> the Beast Man. The Beast the Man. Be- yeah, The Beast Man. Yeah, good catch. Um, yeah, he was he was beastly, I guess. Yeah, there was a lot of dudes. So uh, the guys guys in the match, they had obviously Davey Richards, Tom Lawler, TJP are the first three. The, the, the Joe Lanza special. Uh, Lee Moriarty comes in there. Kit Osborne, King Mo. Remember when King Mo was like the dude in Impact, and every single wrestling observer would say King Mo has continued training in wrestling. Like any day now, he's ready to become the biggest star in Impact and Bellator at the same time. And then now he's just like number yeah, six the be- in the battle riot. So. But the best thing about King Mo in MLW is it means Dan Lambert's on MLW. Yes, so yes, it does. Yes, I, and I'm so always... just keep King Mo around. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Tankman, Arez, Gringo Loco. Like I don't literally at this point, I don't think anybody had been eliminated. No, no, no. No one got eliminated until like number 30, right. 28 or 30. Or yeah, something. one man came in there. It was clearly they wanted one man to clean the ring. And I, I'm, I don't, I'm not upset with that. We'll talk about it in a bit. But uh, uh, Zenshi, Aramis, Alex Kane, Myron Reed, Savio Vega comes out. Mm-hmm. Your boy. Wow. Uh, Jordan not Oliver. The Beast Man <laughs> comes out. The Beast, the beast Man. Yeah. They got to keep him around. The, they the do. I, I'm a big fan of the Beast Man. Uh, Dan Rivera, I love MLW's roster rules, by the way. Listen, this was a nice collection of guys. There's like body guys. There's Davey Richards. There's big young dudes like Alex Kane and Calvin Tankman. There's the Von Eriks. EJ Naduka, who we're going to talk about in a bit, who was fucking great. He got how great did he look? Why would uh, they cut that guy? What are you doing? Idiots. Yeah, (laughs) He, he, he must either have an attitude problem or I don't know. Why would you cut that guy? Like, I don't understand. Look at him. I know. It's nuts, yeah. A professional bodybuilder, a former football player. He, so he's coming in a little bit here. Danny Rivera, uh, Slice Biggie. I think I said Danny Limelight earlier, but yeah, Danny Rivera, obviously. But, uh, Matt Cross, uh, Boo Koo Dao, Marshall Von Eric. The Von Erichs, man, they still get big pops every single time. I love you know it. the best thing about Boo Koo Dao? Is he Please do tell me the best thing about Buku Dao. So. He, he stepped up to uh, the judge. I can't pronounce his name. The guy we were just talking about. Uh, EJ, EJ Naduka. Yeah, EJ Naduka. He steps up to him. He says, you ain't shit because they have to do the biggest guy in the match and the smallest guy in the match. They have to do a spot. I mean, that's a rule. So the Duca lays him out. And then TJ, slimy ass TJP, who Buku Dao has been feuding with, steals the pin and eliminates him. And tells him, get out of here. After they've been feuding the whole season long. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't do anything. But he, but it was a nice touch that TJP eliminated him. Yeah. Anyway, you may continue. I like that. Yeah, it was, it was a well-booked the battle riot. There was a lot was of it? stuff. Was it? I mean, there was like five things that were well booked, but the problem was it went fifty-five minutes. So like, yeah, 
unfortunately the hit rate wasn't great i mean yeah like if you boil it down to those five things that they were good they were good but yeah like you said unfortunately because it was 60 minutes you, you lost a little bit so you had marshall von eric and as i said the von eric still to yeah. this day get big pops it doesn't like they're not good at all like they're no, just not no. good they they're look like they, they be look good. so like, good and you think man a von eric Two oh, tall, looked, yeah. good-looking guys, and they're legitimate Von Erichs, and then they're just, they they're just not that good. stink, yeah. They're just not It was a good. running bit when I was reviewing MLW last season. Every one of their matches was a tornado tag or no DQ because they don't even trust those guys to have a tag match. So all of their matches are just like wild brawls or tornado tags because they're not that good. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then EJ Naduka comes in, and he eliminates 10 people almost immediately. He's just a brick shit house, and he was one of the guys I, I circled when he got released because that like he got released and he was tweeting like a minute later, like they're yeah. wrong, they're gonna, they're you know, they're I, I can't believe you know, and it was just like oh okay, okay, all right, and he came out here, man, yeah, MLW's got something here. I hope they, I hope, I hope he sticks around. How about these Rich Crate Battle Riot notes? Yeah. This is very impressive. I was, I was anyway. into the Battle Riots. Yeah, I was into the Battle Riot. Ten. Uh, I'm also on the Wikipedia, which actually is pretty detailed in the elimination. Oh well, here, so I mean, don't give me all the credit like, here. No, this is like plants throwing bottles. You get no credit. You, you, <laughs> you, you, thought, I, you thought I wrote down EJ Naduka's 10 Yeah, I thought, you had meti- yeah. I thought you had meticulous notes here, like yeah. I do with the fucking... How come I don't do this? I should just use... Why am I doing all this work? You're an idiot. Stop. For Battle Royal notes when we do these shows. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, Kim Chi, Zicky Dice, Kevin Koo, uh, you mentioned How can it. you just blow through Kim Chi like that? <laughs> it wasn't the Kim Chi, so I, yeah, it's not. You're telling me this wasn't Dirty Frank Dalton? <laughs> it did not look like him, no. It was no. neither, it was, you... it, it was neither the Brooklyn Brawler or, <laughs> yeah, it was not. <laughs> it wasn't, Frank Dalton's been dead for like 30 years. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, he's a tough get. Frank Dalton's a tough get these days. We're, you know, the Dalton family is really getting a lot of play on this uh, flagship. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But... The second Dalton reference today, so. But how do you know this wasn't an authentic uh, kimchi? You know, how do you know that wasn't Steve Lombardi? How do you know that wasn't uh, whoever Buddy else Wayne. made Buddy it? Wayne played him right at, at a point. Did he? Buddy Wayne was I kimchi? think Buddy Wayne played kimchi oh, once, yeah. Good for Buddy Wayne. He was the West Coast kimchi, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He was the, you go to L.A. Coliseum or fucking Seattle or something, Buddy Wayne is kimchi. Madison Square Garden, it's fucking Brooklyn Brawler, <laughs> you know? In a territory somewhere, if it's Friday instead of kimchi, it's Frank Dalton. That's how that goes. So how do you know this wasn't one of the authentic? You're right. I, I, I cannot. Well, I, I know it wasn't the one that's dead, uh, but I can't confirm any of the other. Well, I, Buddy Wayne's not alive either, so that, that would also that's make true. it tough. Yeah, that's so, true. So, um, Brooklyn Brawler bust here. Yeah, it was. I, I, unless he's got, he's got himself in some incredible shape. So congratulations uh, to, to Brooklyn this Brawler. This man wasn't very – yeah, he's a small man. <laughs> Steve Lombardi, really. He eliminated too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it did not last very long. So uh, anyway, then we had uh, – uh, Zicky Dice, Kevin Koo, Casey Navarro, uh, Lance uh, Anoy, uh, L.A. Park. Well, hold on. What was his name again? Lance? I don't know how to pronounce the last names. I always forget. What was Lance's name? He's part of the famous wrestling. Uh, I always fan. get their name wrong. I'm not going to do it. It's too. We're too late in the show. Well, now we got a minute here. I don't know how to say it either. Um, I say it wrong all the time. Lance, famous Samoan family. Yes. Lance. There you go. Yes. Uh, L.A. Park. Um, I didn't notice him in there. Well, it was Tom Lawler just as LA Park. So. Did I watch this match? Yeah, well, I, you maybe started. Your eyes started to glaze over here because we're about forty-five minutes into this thing, so I could see yeah. uh, Simon Gotch, Davari, the Blue Meanie. Uh, good pop for the Blue Meanie. Yeah, Blue Meanie. Yeah, good for him. Uh, I would say he was in tremendous shape, but he's never been in tremendous. Yeah, shape. no. I mean, for him, he, it he looked bad, like yeah. the Blue Meanie. He, yeah, you know, 
So like we said, that's kind of his gimmick. If Lou Mini came up looking svelte with a six pack, like, nah, you don't want that. Yeah. No, I watched Blue Meanie versus, uh, oh shit, who's the other dead guy? The manager from Ring of Honor. It's late. We've been doing Larry Sweeney. I watched a Blue Meanie versus Larry Sweeney match the other day uh-huh. from like 2006. That's all. I don't have a story. I just wanted <laughs> just, to tell it's you a that match I, and I saw it. So. Blue Meanie versus Larry Sweeney. You could imagine what that was all about. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Kiro... exactly UWFI. <laughs> no, certainly way. not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> rings. It wasn't rings out there for sure. No. So. Uh, Akiro Kwan, uh, Ross Von Erich, the other Von Erich. Oh, you're pulling through Quang? No. Oh, you're talking about the guy from fucking... Akiro uh, Kwan. Akiro Kwan. Yeah, the guy from uh, their heel faction. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything at the end of the show. Contra. Contra units. Contra. Contra unit, yeah. Yeah, Akiro Kwan, thankfully, I I, I always, when I hear the name, I always think of Yoshi Kwan, but thankfully Akiro Kwan, I believe, uh, is actually an Asian man as opposed to, you know. Right. Yoshi Kwan. Eyeliner to fucking make <laughs> Right. A, it was yeah. very much not no. Asian. Uh, they just couldn't find an Asian wrestler in you know, 1990. Yeah. There's just no... Asians no. don't like wrestling. So why <laughs> right, would right. it be very yeah. hard to find an authentic right. Asian man to, to portray right. an Asian character? Yeah, if there was only just a place where Asian wrestlers existed, we could have mm. maybe used one or two of it's them. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. But let's just use Paul Damon. Uh, Ross Van Eric. Oh, Chris Champion. Yeah, no, I know. But Paul Damon, I meant for the... Uh, um, Oh, for Kato. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah. Well, you're Chris talking about Yoshi Kwan. What is? No, I know. I'm jumping back around. Well, also a white man portraying a Asian man in wrestling. That's... At least they had the wherewithal to put him under a mask. Right, Yoshi Kwan. They just yeah, put yeah, a horrendous eyeliner, problematic eyeliner on him. That uh... yeah. <laughs> How about Py Chuhai? Now we're talking. <laughs> Py Chuhai. <laughs> Phil Hickerson. But see, at least with him, that was the joke. Yes. Like his whole thing was, I'm turning Japanese. Like. And he, you're supposed to book. Right, there wasn't any element. There was no, it was obvious that he was not Asian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, so. that's the heat. Like, it, like if the heat for Yoshi Kwan was you're a white guy faking the being, like, it'd be okay if that's the heat. Because it's like, you're an asshole for pretending to be, that was P.Y. Chuhai. Anyway, you may continue. <laughs> Speaking of fake Asians, we're coming up on another one. Yeah, Go absolutely. Yeah, Ross Von Erich, not a fake Asian. Uh, Joseph no. Samuel, Samuel, uh also not a fake Asian. A fake chic, though. Yeah, the fake chic, indeed. But uh, Alexander Hammerstone, uh, who right. was cosplaying a fake Hulk Hogan here. Uh, yes. The Sentai Death Squad, they both came out here. Did you know who they were? I knew who they were. No, I had no idea. One was definitely Paro, for sure. Oh, and yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. The other was the fucking Flex Rumble Crunch. Oh, yeah, that- oh I thought that. Okay, I was glad, because I was like, man, that looks like one of the Devastation Corporation guys. Do I have the right one? I don't know. Um, two, but well, you know the one, the black guy. The black yeah, unfortunately, one of them was canceled, I thought. But uh, Thomas something or other. Thomas Strong, I believe, was his name. Yeah. Anyway, that's who they were, without question. Got I mean, it. Yeah, I thought, I thought I was like, man, that looks like one of the Devastation guys, but I thought they both. Got uh, yeah, there's Blaster McMassive, and then whatever the other guy was. So which one is he? I don't remember. <laughs> to be honest, I think Blaster McMassive is the one you're talking about. The one that was that oh. one, that that was the guy that was there was Blaster McMassive, I believe. Right. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, anyway. one's a black guy, one's a white guy. Yeah, exactly. Yes, the black guy, the black one, which I believe is Blaster McMassive. So okay, uh, there we go. All right. Anyway, um, Thomas ha- Sharp. I knew it was Thomas. I something. said Thomas Sharp. <laughs> I'll listen I to you. Sharp. I know. Right. I said Sharp. Uh, Quang, the ninja, came out. That is uh... another fake Asian. And... <laughs> you don't know that. How do you know that Quang's not real? 
Asian. Oh, come on, sir. This is why <laughs> this is why Savio Vega was the first guy Who? eliminated. So he can so he can go change what? in his fucking Quang outfit. Get out of here. He's the only guy out for a half hour because he had to go put on new clothes. <laughs> Another fake Asian. Unbelievable. That's four fake Asians we've identified in wrestling. There's probably more. There's plenty. Yeah. And King... three of them were in this match. <laughs> three were in this match alone. Is 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 Kim Chi a fake? Is he is he a uh, fake? Asian? Uh, you're right. Asian yeah. Name, yeah. Kim yeah. Kim Chi is certainly a, a, a portraying a fake Asian. So never portrayed by an Asian man. Uh no. To our knowledge. No, I, I do not believe Buddy Wayne was Asian. So. In his beekeeper outfit. <laughs> right. Uh, then we had King Wartes. Uh, Gino Medina, and then Mads Kruger, uh, who's the final guy. And then uh, Alexander Hammerstone got the win there. A last eliminating Mads Kruger. So, uh, have you ever seen any of the Hammerstone Mads Kruger matches? Uh, I have. Yeah, yeah. They're fucking atrocious. They're not They're... good at all. Yeah, Mads Kruger I remember them for is not good. I, he's got a cool look. I get it. I understand why they would push a guy like that, but I don't know that I would. Yeah. I don't know. He's not good <laughs> at all. And Hammerstone, I like Hammerstone a lot, but you know, he's he's I think he's a guy that excels when he's in there with a really good wrestler. He probably shouldn't be the best guy in the ring. You know what I mean? And and in those cases he has to be with Matt Kruger. So Well, you know. As Tyrus would say, Nuff said. <laughs> so there you go. Uh Alexander Hammerstone gets it. So overall, what'd you think of uh, of Battle Riot three? I fucking stunk, but it was fun. <laughs> exactly. That's 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 pretty much. Uh, it was fifty five minutes of my life that I didn't feel like I wasted, and I kind of enjoyed it, even though it wasn't good. But I'm all jazzed up about MLW coming back because the the fans were hot. Fans, fans were hot. The roster's yeah. awesome. It, it it's it's cool because the production's pretty damn good. Uh, a lot of the guys in there are fun. It's a unique. It doesn't feel like any other wrestling company around right now, too, which is good. It, yeah. it doesn't feel like a dollar store ring of honor. It doesn't feel like a dollar store AEW. It doesn't feel, you know what I mean? Like it has its own, it doesn't feel like the independent wrestling TV stuff or, or you know, the next, it doesn't feel like another GCW. It just feels like it's completely in its own universe, which is, is kind I'm of I'm going to tell you why, because unlike a lot of these other places, Hammerstone, Navon Eriks, Contra, it's like their guys. Those guys Kruger, are wrestling. Kruger anywhere. is one of their guys too, basically. Yeah, they have a lot of guys who just they're MLW guys. You don't really see them anywhere else. So it, the the promotion has its own kind of flavor. So you're right about that. So that uh, that was MLW's uh, Battle Rights three. Uh, we had in the notes there uh, all Japan. Did you want to talk quickly about the uh, the summer action series and triple crown match that you saw? Um, I wanted to. We don't have any time. Hold on. Where's the fucking Where's the fucking notes? Oh. Um, the main event, I mean, Jake Lee, Ishino, of course, Ishino lost. That shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, it was okay. I can't call it a great match. Um, I thought Ishino's work down the stretch in this match was really good. I still don't think Jake Lee is projecting anything anywhere close to being a company ace. or I mean, he's he's working as a heel, but um, there's just you know same problems we always talk about with Jake Lee. He doesn't project. I mean, he's got a nice new ring robe he comes down with, which helps a little, but once the bell rings, he's Jake Lee, you know, and, and, um, you know, I thought Ashino was really good down the stretch here. They did a lot of good, uh, ankle lock spots and a lot of creative ankle lock counters, but I don't think it's a match that you must go out of your way to see probably just short of the notebook. So, um, and Ashino continues to be a whipping boy in the booking. Sugi wins the junior title. How about yeah, that? Yeah. Or boy, I do need to watch that match. I do need to watch it. How, how was it? Was it worth it? It was a collection of spots. I mean, it's a Sugi match. Um, 
for Akira is going to WXW for a little while, so he's going to be on the fucking network more than likely, right? I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work moving forward, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, Akira Francesca and on WWE Network. Yeah, you're right. I didn't. I didn't think of that. So, I mean, they gave him the big tournament win and the big title win before he went away for a while. So, I mean, I, I assume he'll be back. But, um, yeah, Sugi is your All Japan Junior Champion. So, we really don't have to go into anything. Well, uh, Miyahara Iwamoto was pretty good. And Miyahara comes out and it's just the energy changes. It's just, I know people are tired of hearing me say it, but it's just... He is so far and away the most charismatic and best wrestler in this company. It's not even close. Um, yeah, you, you always say it and it makes it, some people mad, but it's it's a it's an indie and and it's Miyahara so is a star. obvious. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it's, I mean? He's like one of those guys. It's like I have to Yoshida when you watch two AW. You're just like this guy is way better than this. <laughs> like yeah, and Miyahara comes out and the energy in the fucking building just changes. You know, it's just it's just you know. Got the great theme but, uh, music. I'm pl- it's playing in my head right now. I'm fist bumping just thinking about it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he had a good little match with Iyamoto. So, um, you know, nothing over-delivered. Everything delivered right as you thought it would. Oh, the All-Asia match actually undelivered. I thought. Um, Zeus didn't do shit. Um, I don't know. There was really nothing to it. The Purple Haze versus Strong Hearts match. I was a little disappointed in that. They debuted a rookie in the opener. A new kid teamed with the Saito brothers. Man, he's a ball of energy. This uh, Ryomu Sukamoto. Okay. He's like a little bowling ball. He's he's got, you know, <laughs> he's uh he's he's got he's fucking put together, you know. He's like a short guy, but he's a brick shit house and he, he he did nothing but throw drop kicks. This man loves drop kicks. But I love this fire. And the other team was a bunch of old guys, and they were just like bemused with him. They're like, "Oh, you're so cute." Oh, I'm looking at his. I'm looking at his picture. I like. Yeah, he's like a little bowling ball, right? Giant traps. (laughs) He's bald. His head's way too big for his body. Yeah. And in this picture, he's throwing a drop kick. Yeah. Yeah, it's his first match. He's still bald and everything. Like he's a literal fucking first guy, first match out guy. Like he's, but his energy, like he's screaming and throwing drop kicks. I'm like, all right, my man. The Saitos could use the energy, believe me. So, <laughs> it was a nice pairing Certainly. the team with those guys. Certainly, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, we don't have time, but the, the rest was just tags and stuff. But um, uh, the Miyahara match, the, su- the junior match, and the Triple Crown match, they all like met expectation but didn't exceed them. And I would call the All-Asia match a skip and go check out that rookie. So yeah. there you go. Okay, so I'll watch the rookie, watch the junior tag, and then uh, I'll, I'll definitely watch the main event, though, because... Ashina's my it's guy, and I guess so. triple crown. Yeah, it's a triple crown. I can't miss it. Can't miss it. It's good. Crown. It's a good match. You know, it's not going to threaten your match of the year list, but it's a good match. Yeah, and then uh, before we wrap up here, we do want to. We're not going to preview the Dragon Gate show. We we talked about it uh, last week. We gave you all the matches and stuff. Uh, but do want to say that obviously Dragon Gate happening this weekend. Big big shows going on. Uh, Open the Voice Gate this week had a lot of good shows. So if, I, I will recommend uh, listening to them this week. Uh, obviously, it's Masato Yoshino's final uh, run here. Uh, this weekend will be his final two shows. Uh, Open the Voice Gate had an interview with Jay uh, from uh, Dragon Gate, the actual the, the English commentator from Dragon Gate. Obviously, the, the man who used to run iHeartDG.com. Uh, pretty much the, the gateway to uh, English English Dragon Gate for, for many of us. Uh, a great interview by those guys, uh, by Mike and Case. Must listen. Go listen. Yeah, to absolutely, absolutely must listen. Just three dudes that know Dragon Gate better than anybody else on the planet. 
uh, talking about Dragon Gate, which is just awesome. So yeah, Open the Voice Gate this week has done an incredible job. We'll have a preview up on the website uh, as well. Uh, written preview from those guys. We have John Hernandez, you know, checking in and, on, on the Mochizuki Dojo guys. We Just a ton of stuff. Case Low did an incredible piece about Masato Yoshino and his career as well. Uh, that's up at VoicesOfWrestling.com. So just, yeah, a lot of stuff. We, we weren't able to give it time here in terms of a preview, uh, but we'll, we will watch it, and we'll obviously re- we'll review it next week on, on the show, both of the Dragon Gate shows uh, from this weekend. But, yeah, we ran out of time on this week's show to actually do a, a, a proper preview, and I'm a little bit behind on Dragon Gate as well, so it's okay. But the Voice Gate guys have you covered from all angles, uh, with uh, written articles, audio stuff this week. Uh, so plenty, plenty uh, of Open the Voice Gate stuff for you guys uh, this week. But, uh, yeah, that is it. Joe, anything else before we uh, get out of here? No. That is it. So that is it for the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling. Thursday tier reviews dropped a few minutes before this show. So if you want a detailed review of Dynamite, you can do that at Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Slammiversary synopsis still going on uh, as well as watching Slammiversary main events. Uh, that is also available on the $5 tier, patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling. And also the Q&A that I mentioned, the VOW10 Q&A, uh, also available there at patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, new, new November to remember, which I listened so to. So much stuff. Enjoyed that, yeah, it's a busy oh, you week here. listen to one for once. I listen, oh, I, I, what, the thing is, I don't listen to them as they're going on, but I do, like, I'll sit down and listen, like, four or five at a time. Evergreen. Yeah, exactly. It, like, it's okay. Like, you know, June 8th, 1993 is not changing anytime soon. So I, I do you know time. how hard it is. Do you know how hard it is to do a show like November to remember when it's clip shows that you're reviewing? Yeah, Holy I don't know how you do shit, clip shows. That's <laughs> that's it was back to back clip shows because they had no more matches left from the taping. And. To, to pull the curtain back a bit, to tell you I was struggling for shit to talk about is an understatement. So, but you always, um, the good thing is you can always go back on Doug Gilbert fucking people, which is good. Both, both, <laughs> both literally and figuratively. So any Gilbert fucking people. Or sorry, yeah, well, not Doug Gilbert, poor Doug Gilbert for uh, 19, well, well, he was in one of the Rumbles, I forget, and he came out. 1995, he was in the 95 Doug Rumble. Gilbert. Yeah, he won a fucking something in Smoky Mountain <laughs> or, way, or USWA, something like that. But Eddie Gilbert, it's funny you say that because on the shows I just reviewed, they announced that Sherry Martell's coming in. And Eddie Gilbert says to Todd, to Jay Sully, oh, a woman in this industry I haven't had. You know he had it, right? You know he got that later, right? He probably got it. I'm sure he did. Good for him. Good for him. Right on the fucking air. He said, the guy's (laughs) terrible. No shame. That's Eddie Gilbert. Yeah, he's thinking. He probably didn't even know. And then she, she came out and he's probably like, fuck. I haven't had such a sherry. The <laughs> shots he takes at Missy Hyatt constantly. <laughs> yes. He's like, I formed Hot Stuff International five years ago in Mid-South, a place called Mid-South with Sting and Rick Steiner and an old bag named Missy Hyatt. <laughs> jeez. Like, jeez. <laughs> Brutal. And that's not the first time he took shots at. There's, an, there's you, another Are you, you going to get Missy on November? You should probably do that at some point. I'm going to talk to her at some point. I'm going to try to talk to her at some point when we get to when she shows up. I got a lot of stuff. You saw the one contact I'm trying to make. That will be incredible if I can oh, land. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that I want to record and make that its own show if I get that guy to agree, because that'll just be amazing. But uh, there's that one episode where he's on the street with Heyman doing the interviewing people on the street, and Missy Hyatt comes up again and he says something to Heyman like, "Oh yeah, we passed her around in the locker room. We shared her, didn't we?" <laughs> And Heyman's uncomfortable. He's like, Ugh, like I don't want people to know I fuck Missy. Like, what are you doing this for? You know what I mean? Like, even Paul Heyman is uncomfortable. So, uh, yeah, that you know that 
93 ECW stuff, I mean, I know nobody watches it because it's fucking terrible. But some of those Eddie Gilbert lines are just – you can't believe what you're hearing. You got to rewind it and be like, did he really just say that? <laughs> it's awesome. So, yeah. Sorry for besmirching uh, Doug Gilbert, who I'll always remember when he comes out in that 95 Rumble. I think uh, Mr. Perfect's doing commentary. And Doug Gilbert comes out, and Mr. Perfect goes, who's that? And Vince McMahon goes, Doug Gilbert. And Mr. Perfect goes, all right, Doug Gilbert. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know. Yeah. He has no idea who it is. Vince McMahon says, then Mr. Perfect goes, oh, yeah, Doug Gilbert. It's just The best name. thing about it is Kurt Henning knows full well who it is. He's yes. just very in the fucking right, guy. Right, right, right. You know, it's like, <laughs> It's you, good, yeah. Because Vince does it in, like, he does it in the Vince McMahon where he's annoyed voice. Yes. He goes, oh, that's Doug Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Perfect. And he goes, oh, yeah, Doug Gilbert. Vince is like, I made a deal with fucking Gary <laughs> right, Gary. Right. Let it go. Because he comes out, he's wearing, like, fucking it, the worst gear you've ever seen. He's got his bright blonde hair. He's got gear. a checkered board yeah. rainbow gear. And it's just like, get this dork out he of looks, my fucking wrestling ring yeah, right now. He looks know. like a guy that uses a job guy. <laughs> right, right, right. Get him out of here. And last long. He yeah. did not last very long, Doug Gilbert. But uh, there you go. That's November to remember. That's on the five dollar tier as well. So a lot of content for you this week over at patreon.com slash voice patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Also a lot of content over at voicesofwrestling.com as well. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Bye. <laughs>